Bye. The Common Man and T-Bone podcast is brought to you by Care Heating and Cooling. Cold or sweaty is no way to go through life. Call my guys at Care Heating and Cooling for all your heating and cooling needs. Call 1-800-COOLING when you need a company you can trust. And stay tuned after the podcast for special bonus content from past shows. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I, with the, no, no, I'm, and, and, and what I, what I was, and I don't know, but I, I. Bye. It's time to take a dip in the pool of stupid. Yeah. This is Common Man and T-Bone. And now Al Pacino walked in. Oh, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Now the Chris Berman's in there. Hey, baby. (laughs) He's got a baby. And another baby. And a baby. And a baby. Nobody circles away. Like the Buffalo Bill. Is Al Pacino this now is, doing this? This is Grover, <laughs> Al Pacino, Chris Berman combined. Featuring Panama Ted. Too hot. Leanna Ray on traffic. You know I hate you guys, right? And all the weird sounds the internet has ever made. Just want to remind everybody that it's Columbus Day. He's the only one I've ever met that can handle my job. Stuff flaps all over the place. Does that make any sense to you? This is Common Man and T-Bone. <laughs> Happy Monday, Reaction Monday. Welcome in. Hello, Bone. Hello, man. Oh, we have a lot to react to today. And we're going to do our regular format now that Buckeye football is back. Three o'clock hour, heavy into Buckeye football and college football. Four o'clock hour, we will do lots of NFL. And a five o'clock hour, a little bouillabaisse, a little mix of everything. It's a flavorful broth. Also in the five o'clock hour... Yikes. The segment that's not a segment. Yeah. It's uh, sweeping the nation, even though it's not a segment. Is it sweeping the nation? Yeah. I, I'm getting calls from all over the place, Mike. Everywhere. <laughs> I was on the phone with Sheboygan. They were like, we can't get enough. Please give us more yikes. I said, I don't know if we can, but we'll do as much as we can because we love Sheboygan. Hey, Teddy, is uh, Leanna back today as well, or is it... Uh that's what I heard. She apparently, she apparently went uh, camping in northern Michigan. Oh, okay. So it depended on uh, if she met any bears. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I would hope there's not a... Well, I guess there could be bears up in northern Michigan. Yeah. Who, who has time for such discussion, obviously, on a reaction Monday? But I just, you know, I hope she was okay. It sounds like she She's made it fine. safe, so She's that's just, good. She would kick the crap out of any bears. That's true. I, I agree with that. She'd start singing Bjork, and it would scare the beer, bears away. Bjork? Yeah, And the bears are, what is that, Bjork? And then bear runs away. Yep. Boy, in in did, northern she... Michigan, they talk. <laughs> now, what part of the glove do you go to to get mauled by a bear? If I could ask someone from Michigan, you show me on a hand, where do I go? Is it the middle finger tip? Tip, tip of tip. the index finger. Okay, that's where you get mauled by mm-hmm. a bear. We're, All right, we're, good to know. Uh, Mar- what's his name? Damn it. I don't. Who are we talking about? Steve Mariucci, where he's from. Marquette. <laughs> yep. Uh, Buckeyes beat Nebraska 52 to 17. All right, let's talk about this. I think, what did I pick score wise? It was pretty close you to this. You were right, right around this, I want to yeah, say. I, I don't remember what it was, to... but it was close to this. And Yeah. Look, we're going to nitpick a 52 to 17 because that's what we do on this show. This is the result that I expected. There are some things that you want to work on and get better at. That's not to say that I think that you're in jeopardy of losing in this conference because you're not. You can play this way and not lose to anybody on your schedule this year. I'm convinced of that. Let's talk about the good first. And there's lots of good. 
when you score 52, you win 52 to 17. Justin Fields, you and I were talking about this before the show. Justin Fields, to me, and, and I said it at the time, in that Michigan game, his balls dropped. I saw a different quarterback in that Michigan game last year. This guy was third in the Heisman voting last year, and at times, I thought he was timid. At times, he looked like he didn't know where he wanted to go with the football last year. To me, that changed in that Michigan game. He was very good against Clemson. Have the offseason to get ready, this weird offseason. And the Justin Fields that I saw against this Nebraska defense is the best version of Justin Fields. I thought last year that he was perhaps just a very good Saturday quarterback. And now I look at this guy, and I think he has the ability to be a very good Sunday quarterback. He should have been perfect. The one incompletion on his stat line on Saturday was a drop touchdown pass by Chris Olave. That's how good he was. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you in the sense that what what I feel like I saw from Justin Fields coming out into this season, we had heard about it, right? All off season, they were talking about how he was more focused. Uh, he changed up his diet. Everything was especially after the almost cancellation of the season, how he kind of took a leadership role, which he'd already been taking with the team, but took one kind of nationally by you know stating his position on it and trying to rally other players to get behind it and say, we want to play. So you kind of saw a guy, I think, that looked like he was just ready to get back to playing football and was done with all that being a field, a leader off the field kind of stuff and, and being the the mouthpiece of something. He just wanted to go back out there and play football, and you got to see that. You got to see a guy who looked like, oh yeah, this is what I'm. This is like what I'm really good at, and I don't have to worry about anything else other than between these white lines right now. And I, it just seemed like a different level of focus. I agree with you on that. Uh, he was uh, about as flawless as one can be throwing the football. Absolutely. I'm not saying that Nebraska's defense is the stiffest test you're ever going to face in college football. Certainly not. We we didn't expect it to be, and it wasn't. Now, they, they present a little bit more of a test to the line of scrimmage, which we can talk about, but as far as the secondary goes, yeah, I think he, he did what he should. Stepped up, made some great throws, and, I mean, some perfectly placed passes. He was, he was tremendous on all fronts for me watching Justin Fields. That was a really complete performance, and given that it's been such a weird offseason, it was good to see him come out and look as sharp as he did at any point last year. He was the show. He was the entire offense. And I, I don't know if if you're lucky enough to get into the playoffs, if the Justin Fields show is going to be enough to win you those games. I don't know. But I'll tell you, he was everything on Saturday. And going back to Nebraska's defense not being any good. And it's true. They're not. This is not a good football team. You're going to have a schedule full of football teams with challenges, especially defensively this season. He took advantage of his opportunities. All of his deep balls were flawless. And I'll tell you, it's little things that I love to see. I forget when it was, but it was in the second half. and or Second quarter, excuse me. And it's uh, third down and something. He's got the first down with his legs if he wants to take it. Instead, he sees one of his guys, 10-yard pass. It's a tight window, but he decides, I'm going to throw it instead of running it. That's the progression of Justin Fields. And, of course, the pass was complete. You got yourself a first down. But he's thinking like a quarterback. He's not just reacting to what he sees in front of him. He's thinking. Yeah, but he also has that ability to break it down with his feet, which is uh, needed. It was needed in this game, and I think... 
for me coming out of this game, as far as questions go, I, I will have some questions about the running game and about, you know, getting that together to look a little bit more cohesive because I don't really think as of yet, clearly did we see what Ohio State wants to do running the football. You got a lot of new names back there. Uh, you got some guys that you're hoping will emerge. Somebody will emerge other than Justin Fields, but he was your leading rusher on the day too. So could have been if, if they stuck with one of these guys and said, all right, you are the feature back. You're going to get 25 carries. I don't think Justin Fields would have been the leading rusher, but they're not there yet. The coaching staff is not there with any of these players right now to say for sure, here's the guy we're going to just hand the ball to, and he's our workhorse. So that's okay. I don't don't think it's necessarily fair to just pin that on the running backs. I thought the offensive line was slow to start this game. They were blown off the ball first couple possessions. I didn't think there was a ton of running room for Master Teague, which goes to my second point. Were you surprised to see Master Teague get the first drive of the game? I kind of was. I was, too. Um, They've talked quite a bit about how good Trey Sermon is. I'll tell you, though, and he only had a few carries, but... Steel Chambers, I thought, was probably of the touches who of the guys who got touches. I thought he might have had the best day, even though it was just a few carries. He looked really good in the times they put him in. So I don't know. Maybe you will see more of a role for him. In either case, it is definitely not settled right now this running back position. So that's okay. I you know you'd like to see that kind of get settled here sooner than later. But it's kind of okay for me if the next few weeks the Buckeyes just have to figure it out with a combination of Justin Fields and two or three talented guys in the backfield, one of whom may eventually emerge. That's okay. And yeah, the offensive line, they're going to have to step it up a little bit to make that uh, a little bit easier on the running backs. Justin Fields was fantastic. I have nothing bad to say about him. I love him. Let's talk about this defense. Uh, Defensive line has a lot of turnover, right? And you send guys in the first round of the draft every single year, you're going to have turnover. We look at the recruiting every single year, and it's the next man up mentality. But there is something to getting those game reps. I thought they were slow to start this game. I thought the, the linebackers at the second level sort of got caught in an awkward space when it comes to Adrian Martinez pulling the ball down and Luke McCaffrey pulling the ball down. But here's a message, and I, I think that most teams get this. Nebraska had to do something to try and get the Buckeyes off of their game. And they decided we're going to do that with taking our speedy quarterbacks and running them and wreaking havoc on that defense early on. And they did. And you're going to give up some chunks of yards. Anytime you have a guy with the speed of Luke McCaffrey, he's going to gash a lot of defenses. Whether he's a starting quarterback or not, he's going to get a lot of play in that offense. But you can't run a one-dimensional offense. You can't go out there and throw for a buck sixty and think you're going to beat the Ohio State Buckeye defense. That's not going to happen, and it didn't happen on Saturday. No, and and I agree with you that this this approach that most teams are going to have to take to beat the Buckeyes is they're going to have to be equally good in both phases of the game, and they're going to have to keep getting the Buckeye defense off balance. I think that happened a little bit early on, and we talked about this on Friday. I thought there would be some chunk plays out there for Nebraska. I think around college football, if you've been watching some of these teams in the first few weeks, you see the defenses are are way behind the offenses in most cases. Not all. Don't ask Mike Leach about that. You know, at Mississippi State, his offense has not quite gotten there uh, like some other offenses have, but I thought it might be a little difficult, and and they did something that I wasn't necessarily anticipating, but Asia Martinez and Luke McCaffrey were battling for the starting quarterback position. Well, they both got plenty of opportunities to kind of showcase what they can do. Uh, obviously, Adrian Martinez, much more of an opportunity throwing the football. But, you know, that's that was an interesting offensive 
test for this Buckeye defense, and they showed up and eventually got it under control. I think it'd be a, a, a thing that we should pause and do here real quick, by the way, is we should give a shout-out to Haskell Garrett. How about Absolutely, that guy? Absolutely, dude. I mean, Absolutely. when I, I saw... I don't feel like we talk about this enough no. that he was shot in the face. Right. Like, I'm watching the game, and he came through, flying through, and I think had a either a sack or a, you know, hit behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he had the sack. That's when it was. And I'm like, whoa, Haskell Garrett came out of nowhere. Hang on a second. Haskell Garrett, the guy who just got shot in the face, made that play, and it, it just was great to see him be able to get through there and get back in and play. I never would have thought when we heard that story a few weeks ago, what has that been, a month and a half maybe, that that happened? Never thought we'd be talking about that this soon, but great to see him back out there, and, and yeah, he made an impact on the game. Buckeyes beat Nebraska, and we take a look around the rest of the college football landscape coming up next. Common Man and T-Bone on the fan. Fan traffic. From the Logan AC and Heat Services Traffic Center. Good afternoon. An accident to watch out for on the roads right now. You'll find a crash on State Road 315 northbound at West Broad Street. It is causing some slowdowns in this area as they work to get the roadway clear. Plan on some backups over here in the meantime, and please use some caution. This traffic report is sponsored by Staples Stores. Staples helps businesses save on everything from office essentials to health essentials to packing and shipping. Right now, save 30% on select shipping supplies and 20% on UPS expedited services. In-store only offer ends on the 31st while supplies last. See store for details. Staples. I'm Leanna Ray with fan traffic. Objects in radio may be dumber than they appear. This is Man and Bone. Happy Monday. It's Reaction Monday brought to you by Taco Bell. Here's some reaction for you. Buckeyes beat Nebraska 52-17. to And this is, you know, how my confidence has changed with this Buckeye offense over the years and how college football itself has changed. Opening drive like that, where Nebraska goes down, hits the big run, gets on the board, it's 7 nothing. you're losing. 15 years ago, I would have had to change my diaper. Now, mm. I don't even bat an eye because I know what, what offenses are capable of in college football this year, and, and, and not just this year, but the last 10 years. And I know what this Buckeye offense is capable of, even at halftime. I, I was watching the halftime show, and you know some people were talking about, oh, Nebraska's only down by 10. Watch out. And I'm thinking to myself, and maybe, maybe I'll be proven wrong with this mentality sometime this year when this Buckeye offense slips up or this team slips up. But I'm thinking to myself, well, Buck's going to get kick first position in the second half. They'll probably go right down the field and score a touchdown. It's a 17-point game, and they're not going to look back. That's the confidence I have in this Ohio State offense right now. Yeah. Well, I think also it's not bad to remember that last year with this team, what did they often do? Like first quarter, you'd get a little itchy. You'd say, huh, the things didn't really click in the way I thought they would, or they just didn't look fully there for some reason or another. Maybe they were working through some stuff, trying to get to whatever they were you know, really wanted to with the game plan. Second quarter on, they were just lights out yeah. for most of the season. So I try to remember that too. I actually, I've been trying this year just to watch these games a little bit more like in the moment than thinking about, oh gosh, what would Trevor Lawrence do to this secondary? Or, oh man, what would happen if Alabama's defensive line went up against our offensive line right now? Well, I, I don't know, right? Alabama's struggled on defense too at times. I don't know what all these scenarios would be. But I enjoyed watching that team, and I was trying to stay a little more focused on just what was happening in the game. But it, I have to admit, it was tough to do in the first half because I was getting a little concerned. But yeah, I, I have supreme confidence in this offense like you do. 
Uh, one other thing to throw in there as far as offense goes, do you think it's reasonable to expect the Buckeyes to score two touchdowns per quarter most of the time that they are playing a team in the Big Ten? I mean, well, without does, sounding like a cocky, cocky a hole, yes, right. I do. I mean, I, don't you? Yeah, and that's basically what they they were fourteen ten fourteen fourteen. That's yeah. what they scored this uh, in this game. So this is the type of offense: two touchdowns per quarter. With how quickly this team can score, with the weapons they have, which we haven't even talked about the wide receivers, but my God, like they. That was that was in and of itself its own revelation. I just I love watching this offense hum when everything is going, especially with the passing game. Let me ask you this question. So Drew Chrisman is actually one of the best punters in the country, right? Yeah. He punted twice in this game on Saturday. How many times during this weird schedule that we have will Drew Chrisman punt more than five times in a football game? Hmm. That's uh, if we're just talking regular season, yeah, regular season, I I would hope it's not more than once. Right, I would I would if if I was a betting man, I would say one time. Yeah, that's maybe. how good I think this offense is. <laughs> right, you've got weapons all over the place. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave are phenomenal receivers. Garrett Wilson, yes. by the way, Chris Olave is very good, and I I'm, Chris Olave may be the higher draft pick. I have no idea. Garrett Wilson showed me something else on Saturday, where he he showed me that he could be the primary number one guy on a good football team, where if it's third down and six, he's the type of guy that can get that catch. I think this team is stacked at the wide receiver position. Well, and look at that, that touchdown catch that Jackson Smith and Jeeba had, where, was that his first catch? or first, That was certainly his first touchdown catch, but it might have been his first catch. But he... His whole body's going out of bounds, Mike. Yeah. The ball is a rifled football coming at him, and he snags it out of the air, further dragging his body out of bounds, and he has the wherewithal to tip the like yep. very tip of his toe down onto the red paint before the rest of his foot hits the white paint. It was it was one of the best plays I have ever seen, and that is from a, a, a young player here at Ohio State who's got an immense future ahead of him, this is the talent level that they are bringing in just every single year. These guys are dripping with talent. There's, that's why I was a little, to go back to the running game, that's why it was just a little bit shocking to see it not quite clicking in immediately like everything else typically does because of how good this offense has been over the years. And I'm sure it will. I'm sure the running game will get going a little bit better than it did. And we're talking about it doing nothing. They they did put up 200 ground, 200 yards on the ground I, well, all combined. That's so the it's thing, not like that, that wasn't going either. Everything we're talking about, we're, we're spoiled here, right? Yes. So we, we adjust our expectations. We move those goalposts. You talk about how this offense continues to build. And last year in the second half, they were lights out. And we talked about this last year. It, it was sort of the opposite with Urban. Now, obviously, Urban put together some very nice offenses. Urban won a national championship here. But how many times did we see an Urban Meyer coach football team come out of the locker room like gangbusters in that first quarter, click on all cylinders, click? On all cylinders, right. and then just sort of tread water for the rest of the game. And in the second half not really able to make the adjustments they need to make. Urban himself has conceded that they haven't played, the, they didn't play the way they were supposed to play in the second half. They didn't make the type of adjustments they should have made. With a Ryan Day coach football team so far, it's been the complete opposite of that. 
that has been the difference for me from a, you know, you can talk about their differences as recruiters, and obviously Ryan Day has shown he's got a great ability there too. Um, Urban is a legend at recruiting. But when it comes to the X's and O's of the game plan, the coaching staffs assembled under Urban Meyer, to me, don't feel like they have done as good of a job as the coaching staffs assembled under Ryan Day. Now, it's a smaller sample size, but I do feel like, to your point, they do come out with better adjustments. When things aren't clicking initially, I don't go, "Uh uh-oh, they got the game plan wrong. It's going to be a long four quarters. I go, well, they're going to just scrap the stuff that's not working, and they're going to hone in on the stuff that is, and they're going to shade over to that and start doing more of that until they open up some other things on the opposing defense, if it's the offense. And then they're going to, once they get that going... Defense will adjust, and then they'll make more adjustments. I feel so much better about it with Ryan Day, you know, at the helm doing this, and the the staff he's assembled. I feel really confident. Some weird outcomes around college football and in the Big Ten on Saturday. We'll discuss coming up next. Common Man and T Bone on the fan. Fan traffic from the Logan AC and Heat Services Traffic Center. Good afternoon. You'll find an earlier accident has cleared from State Road 315 northbound at West Broad Street. All lanes are now open in that area, but traffic is still slow as it recovers. Plan on some residual delays. This traffic report is sponsored by EverStream, the business-only fiber network. At EverStream, the business-only fiber network, they believe business deserves better. EverStream's full-service approach to business connectivity delivers the speed and reliability that businesses demand. EverStream, faster fiber, better business. I'm Leanna Ray with Van Traffic. The most listened to show in Greenland. This is Man and Bone. Common Man and T-Bone brought to you by Hinderer Motorsports here on The Fan. Buckeyes put up 52 points on Saturday. So how about this? Call number 52 right now. 614-821-9710 is the phone number. Call number 52 gets a $50 gift card to Taco Bell. Get your favorite crunchy, spicy, and cheesy Taco Bell items in more convenient ways than ever before. Order your Taco Bell favorites ahead on the app and pick up in the contactless drive-thru or get them delivered through Grubhub or Uber Eats. Elsewhere around the Big Ten this weekend, I guess the big story is... Penn State getting knocked off in Bloomington in overtime, 36-35. The controversial call on that two-point conversion in overtime. Michael Penix Jr. could be a soft X. Let's just call him Michael Penai. Michael Penai Jr. stretching. It was called a successful try on the field. They went to replay. And I know that a, a lot of people had a problem with this call, and maybe you disagree with me. I I didn't. It was called a a good conversion on the field. I didn't see anything in the replay that would lead me to believe that the wrong call was made. It could have gone either way. You could have told me, first time I saw that, ball hit out of bounds. They called it not good on the field. And then I would have said, okay, probably can't reverse that based on replay. But they called it good on the field. To me, it wasn't a reversible play. Yeah, I think the whole point of instant replay is to say the call was so egregious and it's clear as day once we you know rewind it or with one or two quick looks at a slow-mo replay, we can instantly tell, yes, that call is wrong. So instead of zooming in for 10 minutes and frame by framing it and you know all that stuff, I think if you went and did that, you would see, yes, that the ball did technically touch out of bounds right before I think it hit the pylon, but that's not what the rule is for. The rule is, yes, to get it right, but it's to get right an egregiously wrong call, and that's not an egregiously wrong call. It was... It was a hair 
difference one way or the other, whether that was in or out. So I don't think they got it wrong. I think, to your point, if it was called the other way on the field, that probably stands Right, I too. would have said then, then you can't reverse that either. Yeah, and, and I, I think it should be noted here, as much as that's been blown up and that's been talked about, like Indiana's defensive and offensive lines were able to get push on Penn State's linemen all day long. Yeah. This was... This was something that I think is more of a story than maybe initially got talked about because of how it ended. But yeah, uh, Indiana has been hyped a little bit this year coming into the season that they could be for real or more for real than they've been recently. They've been very close the last few years to pulling some big upsets and giving teams a scare. Well, this is one of the times where they actually did it, and they, it was not a fluke. The, I know that the end of the game feels like a little, a bit of a fluke. I know James Franklin could probably have made some better calculations on the field with what he's doing, but the reality is Indiana was not lucky to be in that position. They were good enough to be in that position. And maybe Penn State's overrated, but Indiana... Well, you can go the other way. You're right. Penn State wasn't good enough to close out this game the way they should have closed it out. Yeah, so I give full credit to Indiana for what they did uh, getting to that point. And then, yeah, gutsy call to go for it in overtime and say, we're just going to go for the win right here. Good for them. And by the way, if Sean Clifford's going to be your number one ball carrier, good luck with that. <laughs> you, you're not. That's not the way to win when you're Penn State. And, and Sean Clifford's not that type of quarterback where you can say, yeah, every single week he's going to go out there and, and run for a buck 20. That's going to be our principal ball carrier. It's not going to work out. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. So... There's a lot to think about with Penn State now, given that that's the game the Buckeyes are playing this weekend, where they are going to be looking at, if they go down 0-2, not that their season isn't kind of over anyway, because it's such a small margin of error you have, but you lose your first two out of the gates, Every, you're not playing for any Big Ten championship at that point, you have no chance of that, if you even do now, and you're basically just playing to what? Hope that you save face and don't finish like 500 this year? That that's quite a fall for Penn State, who had thought, okay, maybe we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a really tough game with Ohio State, but after that, we should be able to be one of the best teams in the Big Ten. Uh, they have gotten off to a very poor start, and I I could see them coming in a bit like a wounded animal this week, and that does give me well, not coming in, we're, Buckeyes are going there, but that gives me a little bit of concern. Buckeyes and Penn State uh, Saturday seven thirty kick here on the fan. I saw when they put this on the board. Buckeyes opened at, as eight-point favorites against Penn State. It is now, last time I checked, MGM had it up to 13-and-a-half. Yeah, that line went quick. So good news is Vegas and everybody looking at this feels like that was too close of a line, so hopefully the, the wisdom is with the crowd there. Elsewhere in the conference, you saw Rutgers go to East Lansing hey and win. They beat hey Michigan State. Hey, man, is right. I mean, this is... Look, good for Rutgers, good for Greg Schiano. They didn't want to play football. We can make fun of them, all that stuff. But that's very good for them. And maybe this is the start of good things for Rutgers. But what a what a crap hole Michigan State is in right now <laughs> that they have to dig out of. Well, and you know who you can blame for that? I mean, you, you can blame that totally on Mark D'Antonio. Can you not? Because that man took a year or two longer than he probably should have with that program where the writing was on the wall, he was not what he once was, that program was not what it once was, and instead of recognizing that and doing the best thing for his players in that school, he said, no, I'm going to hold out, get as much as I can, I'm going to stick around here. I know he's a competitor, a lot of these guys are competitors, but that program is a few years behind where it should be, and it's going to take them a while to dig out. Not that Rutgers is 
I, I don't think we should read too much into this that Rutgers is suddenly now like going to be one of the better teams in the Big Ten. That would be quite the turnaround if if Greg Schiano is able to do that so quickly. I don't think that's likely. And look, you know, looking ahead of their transfers schedule, should he pick up in the off season like ten or eleven? <laughs> he picked up quite a few, but let's not forget. I mean, they do play now this Indiana team next. That's Rutgers' next game. Suddenly, that's kind of an interesting game. Yeah, I'm curious to watch that. Then they play the Buckeyes after that. So I, I would guess they are not going to be undefeated. You know, going through the rest of the season clearly, but good start for them, man, and a good building block got the attention of everybody in the Big Ten to say the least. Michigan and Minnesota. Michigan wins this game 49-24. Here's my week one overreaction for Michigan. Or my week one overreaction for Minnesota is last year's 11 wins, fluky. I don't like them. All right. My overreaction for Michigan is Joe Milton showed me some stuff at the quarterback position. I don't know if it's going to be something that continues, but this has been the big search for Jim Harbaugh. He finally has a guy that he recruited out of high school starting for this team week one. Maybe this offense builds from here because, and it, quite frankly, it was even more dominant than the 49-24 because in that first quarter, they did everything they could to try and give Minnesota that game. Whether it's a block punt or screwing up, Minnesota took advantage, but every single time... Michigan came back. They did not look phased. For the most part, their defense played very well. And I think that Joe Milton had a very good first start to his career. Oh, yeah. And and that's what they were looking for. I know that not a lot of people want to believe that Jim Harbaugh would be out in Michigan because they're, they're, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. Where you got some fans ready to run him out of town. you got some fans saying, I can't believe that we don't have an extension done for him. So I don't know where Michigan's brass actually sits on that, but... Yeah, this is a this is a game that I think gives them a lot of confidence, boosts them up to make them feel like, all right, we are not uh well, this is not the same old Michigan team that we've had. We're different, we're better. They get their rivalry against Michigan State. That looks like a win next week. Then they go on the road to Indiana, they win that game. That's going to look better than we thought it would. Then they play Wisconsin after that. I mean, they they've got a schedule that if they run through that undefeated, they're going to be a they're going to be near the top 5. I guarantee you, if they go 4-0 and through the first part of the schedule, Michigan will be hovering around the top five, and there will be a lot of buzz. You're right. I think that there there is a lot to be excited about if you're a Michigan fan about Joe Milton. Maybe some of that is overblown, but yeah, he looked the real deal, and he's a big dude who can get back there and sling it. This is a very interesting development for Michigan. And I thought the other games were interesting, too. Iowa loses to Purdue, and Purdue had a bad year last year, but the year before... Everybody was talking about how that was a program that was going to surprise some people. And Jeff Brom, they had to keep him. Then they went out last year and laid an egg. They beat Iowa on Saturday. And how about Northwestern taking it to Maryland? Northwestern couldn't score any points last year. They were the worst offense in this conference by far. And maybe it was a one-game mistake. 43-3 to against yeah, Maryland. That is, that is certainly something I did not expect to see either. And going back to Purdue, they had no Rondale Moore either. Exactly. I mean, they, you know, that's one of the best players. He opted back into the season and couldn't go this week. So, yeah, that that was a very interesting finish in both those games. But I, I'm not sure what to make. Like, I, I want to read this like I would a normal season where I start to say, all right, we might have to watch out for, like, Northwestern being semi-good in the Big Ten. Purdue, that's a, a big statement to beat Iowa, even though it was at home. But these are games, too, that are being played in front of no fans. These are games being played, you know, in, in a weird season. So 
I need to see a, a few more games before I start to really formulate an opinion that Purdue is going to be really good in the Big Ten or Northwestern is going to be really good in the Big Ten. I'm not there yet. New college football polls are out. We will share them with you coming up next. Common Man and T-Bone on the fan. Fan traffic. From the Logan AC and Heat Services Traffic Center. Good afternoon. Watch out for an accident causing some delays on South Hamilton Road south of I-70. You are going to find some backups in that area as they work to get the roadway clear. Plan about a 10-minute duration over here. This traffic report is sponsored by Allstate. If you're driving less, you could be saving more on car insurance. With pay-per-mile insurance from Allstate, pay for the miles you drive and save on the miles you don't. Call a local Allstate agent and get a quote now. I'm Leanna Ray with Fan Traffic. Did you feel that? It's your radio getting fatter. Getting fatter. Chubby time! This is Common Man and T-Bone. Happy Monday. We have Yikes coming up at 534. It's a segment that's not a segment. New, New polls are out. AP Top 25 looks like this. Clemson stays at number one. Alabama's number two. Ohio State moves up two spots to number three. Then Notre Dame is at four. They're down a spot despite beating up Pitt this weekend. Uh, Georgia is fifth. They're down a spot. They didn't play. Oklahoma State stays at six. Cincinnati Bearcats up two spots. More on them in a second. Uh, Texas A&M down a spot at eight. Wisconsin up five spots. More on them in a second at number nine. And then Florida rounds out your top ten. Meat Chicken is up five spots to 13. Indiana was not ranked last week. Now they're up to 17. Penn State falls 10 spots to 18th, which, by the way, you have to do, okay? I don't know what the rest of the season is going to look like for Indiana and Penn State. They just played. I was listening to our uh, our new show, The Football Brunch, which you can hear from 9 to 11 on Sunday mornings. And the debut episode was yesterday. It is Chops and Eric Reeser. And they rank the Big Ten teams. They will rank the Big Ten teams every single Sunday. And Reeser had Penn State above Indiana in his power rankings. How is that? We just saw it eight hours ago. You you just saw the game. Now, two weeks from now, you're right. Maybe things adjust and Penn State is right back ahead of Indiana. But we just saw the game. We saw Indiana win the game. Yeah, I, 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 I'm always interested when, like, in the rankings for the AP Top 25, when it actually works out that way that Indiana is ahead of Penn State in this case, because that is something that if one person was putting together the rankings, you would think they would say, well, these two teams played, so I'm going to put Indiana ahead of them. But it isn't just one person. It's a bunch of people, and there are sometimes people who do vote and say, well, even though Indiana won that game, I think Penn State's still better I don't right. think Indiana is, whatever. But those people are voting in these polls sometimes. So to see that actually happen where Indiana was just one spot above Penn State, that's I find that very interesting, but I also think that's that's accurate. Indiana should be ahead of them. Wisconsin opened up the season on Friday night. They kicked the crap out of Illinois, and their starting quarterback, my guy Fred slash Graham Mertz. It doesn't matter what your name is. Five touchdowns on Friday night and then some bad news for them because he tested positive on the antigen test over the weekend they are for, waiting what's that yeah for covid so he's yes. got he's got to wait until they get the they're waiting the for the, the the PCP test or whatever the hell it's called PCR who cares it doesn't matter what your name is. POD test mm-hmm. that's right 
Youth of the Nation. Youth of- <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> I almost said birth of a nation. That's not the right <laughs> that's thing. A, nope. That's a not. different thing entirely. It's a different thing. It is. So yep. Fred Mertz, so right now, as it sits, out of commission. Yeah, but he, I mean, he, he looked great. That's a really yeah. good find for them with Jack Cohn going down with what I think was the foot injury, surgery, whatever. That's That was who they initially, you could have argued, should have been playing. But obviously, it's not a possibility now. So Grammer steps in, highly touted, and uh, did some good things. It's against Illinois. I think that should be noted. But yeah, Wisconsin looks like they're in a good spot. Hopefully, he can you know bounce back from this, and hopefully, he can, doesn't have two positive tests, and he can actually play next weekend. Elsewhere on Saturday, Clemson looks sluggish against Syracuse, and I enjoyed the post-game press conference from our guy Dabo Swinney, who did not appreciate the the tough questions because you know hey man this is a compliment to you you've built this program up to the point where everybody expects you to look flawless every single week he didn't like that he he came to the press conference and said are you guys aware that we won the game am i at the wrong press conference but as you pointed out before the show one of his lines made well, me here, laugh I, I out it. loud do you have it okay yeah he said we won the game by almost four touchdowns i'm not getting any questions about proud of you guys for winning the game it's a lot of negative questions you're not going to get any negative stuff from me i'm glad you're not getting those questions you're not idiot. supposed to get a question hey, the guys coach, is- just want to say proud of you anyway i'll hang yeah. up and listen for my answer take care what's sad is that there are guys sitting in that room who probably went back to their jobs and their editor at their newspaper was like hey um why are we going so hard on coach there and it's like what <laughs> I just asked him, hey, you, this was a game for like three quarters, and then you guys kind of woke up and, and shook off the rust and, and you left, uh, you know, pit in the dust or Syracuse in the dust. But that's okay. You're allowed to ask those questions. What's wrong with saying, hey, why didn't you no, look like yourselves? Post game press conference should be, hey, coach, proud of you. And then that's it. And the next person you, says, proud of you. By the way, could, could you imagine Dabo Swinney A, I think is a little on edge because he actually knows that Ohio State's back in this thing now. And yes. that's he knows they're coming for yes. you. And he's getting a little hot around the collar because he knows if that game happens, a revenge match, strap in and strap it on. Strap the it feedback, on right. the that's feedback, right. strap it say. on because <laughs> it's going to be a fight and you're going to need to eat and be ready to go. All I know is Dabo's getting a little uh, concerned, it sounds like. But I also think... What kind of a man baby do you have to be where you make $95 million coaching college football and yet you're getting offended when people in a game that was a little closer than it should have been are saying, hey, Dabo, what happened in this game before you guys turned it on? What was the deal? That's not an offensive question. If you're getting offended by that, I don't know. Do we need a safe space for Dabo Swinney? Is that what we need? Is he becoming one of the snowflakes that I know he doesn't like? I don't know what's going on with him, but maybe we should check on him. Alabama blows out Poser, Tennessee. Alabama's good and Poser's Tennessee right. sucks. Well, they, I'm, and I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm tired of hearing about, oh, I'm tired. Because it's all like, oh, let me show you how smart I am. Let me show you how smart I am. Tennessee's back. They're going to be giving these teams games this year. Let's give Jeremy Pruitt a lifetime contract. They suck. They do suck. And I, I don't, I'm so sick of when we have these discussions about who's for real and who's not and all that stuff. Like, the reality is, Every year in the SEC, some combination of Bama, LSU, Georgia, and Florida, I'll throw them in, are likely to be, the two of those teams are likely to be for real. You know what I mean? Now, this year, LSU isn't, and other years, it will be other teams there. Florida has not been for real much of the last 10 years since Urban left, but I think they're on their way back. 
Georgia obviously struggles to beat Alabama, but you can make an argument. Two of those teams every year are going to be for real. So having that discussion is fine. Tennessee, they have to win like 10 games in a year, like three or four years in a row before I'm going to believe that's a for real thing. Before I'm going to say, okay, they have ascended back to being a national power if they ever were, if you want to go back to like the Peyton Manning era. But yeah, it's going to take a lot more than that than just a couple nice wins early in the season. And look at how they've done since. They've been terrible. So yeah, Tennessee, go figure. They're not for real. How about those Cincinnati Bearcats, man? You you were talking about this game on Friday. You said I was that, surprised. Yeah, you said that you know SMU maybe wins this game and. They didn't just win that game. They kicked the crap out of SMU. Yeah, they really did. And and you and you put up 300 yards rushing in a game, that's going to get it done for you. So they got 179 of that from their quarterback Desmond Ritter. Uh but yeah, it's it's Cincinnati's building a nice program there. Luke Fickle's done a really good job with them. Again, no one when I say doing a really nice job with them, I'm not saying they should be included in playoff discussions, nothing like that. But he has clearly taken Cincinnati to a level that every year you can expect them to be a premier team of the non-Power 5 schools and also to be dangerous if they ever play a Power 5 school or in their bowl game. So, yeah, I think that's a, a really good effort there in, in what they've built. But yeah, I thought SMU would be a little bit more of a challenge. I thought it would be a close game. It was not. Lots of NFL goodies coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. We will do brownies and bangles up next. Common Man and T-Bone on the fan. Fan traffic. From the Logan AC and Heat Services Traffic Center. Good afternoon. You'll find an earlier accident has cleared from the roadway of South Hamilton Road, south of I-70. All lanes are open in that area, but traffic is still recovering. It will take about 10 to 15 minutes for it to start flowing again. This traffic report is sponsored by Audible. Now Audible gives you more than ever before with a premium selection of bestsellers and new releases, plus thousands of included audiobooks, podcasts, originals, and more to listen to all you want. The new Audible is your playlist for life. Download the Audible app to get started. I'm Leanna Ray with Fan Traffic. Just be glad you aren't as stupid as these two. Oh, yes. This, this is Common Man and T-Bone. Happy Monday. We have a game time for the Rutgers game. Oh, yeah. On the 7th of November, it will be a night game oh. at the Shoe 7.30 kick. So back-to-back night games at least because Penn State's a night game this week then Rutgers, and then we have no idea what the deal is the week after. But if you like those 7.30 kicks, good news for you. I personally do not. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, neither of us are big fans of them, but that's okay. It's all right. I'm a fan of there being football, at least, to watch, so that's good. Lots of NFL coming up this hour. Brownies beat the Bengals in a barn burner yesterday. Now, before we start talking about this game, we did learn today that Odell Beckham Jr. has torn his ACL. So his season is over. Well, Mike, I'm very confused by that injury, and it, it obviously sucks for him. I wish him a you know healthy, speedy recovery, and that you know next year he's back to being the Odell Beckham Jr. that he's capable of being. But I have been reading from a bunch of people who know football, or at least purport, purport what that too purport to know football that Odell Beckham Jr. getting hurt is is a blessing in disguise for the Browns because now Baker Mayfield isn't going to feel the pressure of having to get the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. And you saw yesterday how good Baker Mayfield looked. Odell Beckham Jr. wasn't on the field for most of the game because of the injury. 
clearly that's the reason that Baker Mayfield's playing so well. So as as much as I'm frustrated that that he's gone. Or was the Bengals secondary the reason? Look, it's not out of the question that teams improve when a disgruntled member of the team goes away. It can lift the mood. I, it, it can happen. Why is, I get that. Why do we assume that he's disgruntled? I don't. I don't know why. <laughs> but here's my he's point. Not- if Baker is so mentally fragile that he can't handle Odell Beckham Jr. being out there and his absence is the only reason why he looks like a world beater as opposed to a guy who can't complete a pass, then there will be something else that crops up. This is not just, oh, Odell Beckham Jr. is gone. My entire mental picture is clear now. I feel so much better. There will be something else that crops up that bothers Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I I, I, I don't believe. I'm just, I'm not really... I'm not really sure how to explain Baker Mayfield performance yesterday other than one very clear observation, which we'll get to in a second. But as far as that storyline that Odell Beckham Jr. has made Oda or has made Baker look like less of a quarterback, I, I I agree with you that that is not a problem I would expect. That if you told Joe Burrow prior to this game, hey, Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't want to play for the Browns, he wants to play for the Bengals. You gotta work him in. How do you think Joe Burrow would feel about that? How do you think most quarterbacks in the league would feel about that? They'd say, all right, um, I don't know him very well, but yeah, I'd love to have a guy like that. So I really don't think that's it, and I, I don't think that he's disgruntled. I don't think he's a distraction. I think the distraction is getting blown out by the Steelers and the Ravens. That's on everybody, not just him. So yeah, that's that's a much bigger issue, but... Yesterday, the performance from Baker, it was about as good as you can get. It was, yes. And would he start 0 for 5 and then didn't complete, incomplete a pass? 0 for 5 and the pick that ended up getting like two guys hurt, including yeah. Odo Beckham Jr. on that play. He was trying to get back and make a tackle and ran to his own guy and busted up his knee. So, yeah, that was terrible. Now, I'm sure someone like Hugh Jackson would look at that and say, well, they had him in the gun and he was doing all the things that, that I would allow him to do. Is that sustainable? I have no idea. But let's not... Let's not let this victory, while important, right? You're you're five and two. You haven't been five and two in a long time. That was an important victory against the Bengals. We said on Friday, even if they beat the Bengals, this doesn't prove anything. This doesn't fix anything. You have to go out there and show that you are good enough to play with good teams. The Bengals have the ability to be a good team next year. But they're not a good team now. We can heap all the praise that we want on Joe Burrow. Oh, Joe Burrow threw for 400 yards, all this other stuff. This Bengal football team is not a good football team. And if you fancy yourself a good football team, like the Browns do, like some of their fans do, then you should go in there and kick the crap out of them. This was not a new development that we saw. Mike, I actually was told today, I was having a discussion with a a Browns fan, buddy of mine online, and he brought up, he's like, well, how do you know the Bengals are actually a bad team? Because let's look at their record. Three-point loss to the Chargers. The first time don't they played the Browns, start, only lost by five. Don't on the Bengals with close they, games. They, a- tied, they tied the Eagles. They were close with the – or they beat the Jags, not close. They got beat by the Ravens badly, but so does everyone. Colts was a close game, and then this game was a close game. Like, how do we know they're bad? And my answer to that is – we know they're bad because they have no offensive line. Their defense is not good. They currently are without what's supposed to be their best running back. Like, I am telling you guys, I don't know why this is so difficult for people to grasp. Their team right now is Joe Burrow. The fact they're even in these games is Joe Burrow. Yes, he makes mistakes. Yes, he throws some picks. Yes, occasionally he, he had two or three yesterday that should have been picked that weren't. Yeah. Because the Browns defense also 
Last I checked, not great. But the point here is Joe Burrow was in that game, kept them in that game when they didn't have nearly the roster that the Browns have. So, yeah, he's been doing that in many games this year where he's going up against competition that has a better roster and keeping this crappy team in it. That's how big of an impact he has. And when they get him a team, I think the Bengals are going to be accelerating quickly. So the Browns better not just be happy with three-point wins and five-point wins over this Bengals team that has no semblance of a roster. Wait until next year. They will be different. And the Browns better hope they're improved by then, too, because... Five and two is great. I'm happy for that. But I'm sorry. If you're a Browns fan that gets worked up over beating the Bengals by three points, you and I just will not get on the same page on that. I'm sorry. Baker was very good yesterday, and hopefully it's a sign of things to come. He certainly looked like he had that swagger in the second half. And I saw that Kevin Stefanski was asked after the game, you know, what did you say to him when he was 0 for 5 and had thrown the pick? And Kevin Stefanski essentially said, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he's like, I don't know why he started playing well. If I knew what it was, I would have said it to him three weeks ago. You know, who the hell knows? I, I don't know if it was, you know, just completing a couple passes got him in his rhythm or if it was, you know, we always want to assign something. We always want to look for a higher meaning. I saw a little story this morning saying that Odell Beckham Jr. at halftime went up to Baker Mayfield and say, you go get him. And we always have to make like a big story out of it. Could it possibly be that Baker Mayfield is a professional quarterback and he threw a couple complete passes and he's playing against a bad defense? And then the rhythm started from that. It wasn't a pep talk from the head coach. It wasn't a you go get him kid from Odell Beckham Jr. It was just Baker Mayfield played bad defense and made them pay yeah yeah he did and and good for him for doing that and if you're familiar with the cycle that baker mayfield tends to be on it's it's been memed at this point it's so familiar but in case you're unaware that cycle is baker plays poorly everyone criticizes him then he in response to the criticism starts getting fired up he goes out and has a good game or three and then the next thing that we're going to expect would be at some point something to come out about, yeah, well, we're showing people that we're not as bad as everyone thinks we are and, and some kind of puffing out of a chest, and then they play a good team and they get throttled again or Baker has a bad game again and we start the cycle over. So this was predictable that Baker would come out and be good. I didn't predict 22 in a row or whatever it ended up being. I didn't predict that game-winning drive. I've told you I have my doubts about him being able to lead a team down the field and and complete a drive like that. Good for him that he did that. But you're going to have to remind yourself, if you're a Browns fan, I think, that this is something we've seen before with Baker, where he has good games, then he gets full of himself, or whatever happens, plays better competition, I don't know, but then it falls apart again, and then he starts over again. And this is a cycle that you don't really see with great quarterbacks. You see them have a bad game here and there. You don't see this cycle repeat itself the way it does kind of with him. And so... I am, yes, I, I can't believe I have to say this, but I am happy for the win. I, it's better than you them losing. should be happy for the win, of course. It's better than losing. Now, if they lost this game, there would be a lot more to talk about from the standpoint that, boy, they really have fallen off. Or maybe the Bengals have quickly gotten better because of Joe Burrow. I don't know. Some combination of the two. I'm glad they won this game. But if you think, oh, okay, see, now that Raven Steelers, that's not so bad. I don't relate to Browns fans who say, Beating the Bengals by three 
is changed my outlook of this team. But when they get throttled by the Ravens and Steelers, well, you can't expect to compete with them. Not yet. <laughs> we just started building this team so three years ago with Baker. We can't expect to beat those teams yet. I don't relate to you if that's the fan you are. Elsewhere around the league yesterday, Steelers narrowly escaped the Titans. They were dominating that game early. They were just dominating the time of possession. Yeah. Titans couldn't even get on the field. And I I hate to relate everything back to the Browns, but just briefly allow me to say that's why you know the Titans are a little bit better, a lot of bit better team than the Browns are right now because they got down by a big margin to the Steelers and didn't just pack it in and say, all right, game's over, see you next week. They went back in halftime and figured some stuff out and got back in this game, and you could argue should have won it because the Titans are a really good football team. So kudos to them for doing that. But yes, that was a very close game for the Steelers. They narrowly avoided losing it. I I was wrong on the Steelers. I did not think they would be this good. I thought that Ben Roethlisberger would be dead by now. So I say this with full respect, and I wish I could have Ben Roethlisberger on my team. However... Is he not the dumbest Hall of Fame quarterback in the history of the universe? Like the the decisions that he makes, like just, you know, he's got five guys on him and he decides, I'll just flip this ball behind me. Yes. And and thank God, I guess, if you're a Steeler fan, that James Conner was there to fall on that ball. And then late in that game, making that horrible decision and throwing that interception, he makes some of the most boneheaded, like rookie moves. And you have to say to yourself, wait a second. Is this guy a 15-year vet in this league where he's just going out there playing Sandlot stupid ball? Mike, in the first half, remember that he had a a throw where yes. three guys are wrapping him up, and he just like underarm flips it. I, I forget who caught and it. The, yeah, someone from the Steelers caught it. And but I like I'm watching that game. I had to rewind it because I'm like he did not just backhanded flip that underhand somehow. Like oh god, who who was that? Why am I blanking on uh, squishy face? Old quarterback for the Browns, Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon did that, and we all made fun of him. But this one worked out because it's Ben Roethlisberger because he's figured out a way to do stuff like that and, and amaze you. But, yeah, I'm with you. I did I did not think Ben Roethlisberger would be this good. I am mystified by the way the Steelers find guys who just live to play football, and they, they make the plays that count in these games. And, yeah, the Titans have a lot of good, talented players too, and they found a way to get back into it. But Steelers are for real, of course, and, uh, yeah. They, they've shown it all this year, and this was one of the first good teams they've really been able to pull away from, and, and or not pull away from, but been able to beat. So Steelers are, are proving some stuff here. More tidbits, tidbits from around the league, plus more drama is stirring up with the Bengals. Details next. Common Man and T-Bone on the fan. Fan traffic. From the Logan AC and Heat Services Traffic Center. Good afternoon. You're going to find some slowdowns on 71 northbound after Morse Road. There is an accident reported in that area. Please be cautious and watch out for traffic as it begins to build. This traffic report is sponsored by Audible. Now Audible gives you more than ever before with a premium selection of bestsellers and new releases. Plus thousands of included audiobooks, podcasts, originals, and more to listen to all you want. The new Audible is your playlist for life. Download the Audible app to get started. Elmy and Array with fan traffic. The show that will tickle you stupid. This is Man and Bone. Reaction Monday. Lots of NFL stuff in the 4 o'clock hour and a mix of everything in the 5 o'clock hour. I do want to... uh, Here's a little disclaimer. If you have some children in the car with you right now, Uh or wherever you are, that still appreciate the magic of Christmas, Mm -hmm. you may want to earmuff for a second. All right. All right. 
That's good. But, you know, with the current state of the world, we decided that we weren't going to take Samantha this year to go see the big guy. Yeah. You know, too many crowds, too many people, stuff like that. But I didn't want her to miss out, so I will be the big guy this year to the point where I I bought everything, and it came this weekend. I got the suit. I got the boots. I got the beard that glues onto my face. I got everything. I got the thing to dye my eyebrows white. Oh, did you really? I got, I got it all, baby, and I, I tried they, it on. Do they come back after you dye them white? Like, it's a paint it, or something, it right? Should, it's not, it should wash out in the you, shower. Okay, have you seen the Mick Foley thing where he dyes his hair white because he likes to play the big guy? But he, ever he, goes, he goes hardcore, though, right? Yeah, but I'm he's saying his he, own beard. Yeah, he does, but he dyes his hair. And it, they talked about how like it, it shocks your hair and all that stuff. I'm just saying. I want to double no, no, check no, this that isn't, This right. isn't like peroxide. This is like, oh, a, this okay. is like a white pencil that the professional Santa's okay. oh, use. Anyway, I got, it, I got it from the, the pro Santa shop. Oh, okay. But I, I tried everything on this weekend to make sure it fit, and I didn't need any alterations. And I decided I'm just going to put the whole getup on to see how I look in this thing. And it's interesting, like just a little glimpse of something. You know, sometimes you have a sense memory, you smell something, it takes you back to a certain time. I put this getup on with Kristen's help, and then I looked at myself in the mirror, and my first reaction was a smile, like it was someone else. Yeah, it's okay. Just, it's, it was just such an interesting feeling where you can, you know it's you, you know that it's been, you know, 35 years since I believed in any of this. But yes. one glimpse of myself in the mirror, and I made myself happy. Now, I won't fool my four-year-old, and she'll yell at me. Yeah. Well, but I, I, I fooled myself for a split second is what I'm saying. That feeling that you have is the same feeling I get every year around Comic-Con when I do my Sailor Moon cosplay. I see. Yes. I, I, for a moment, I'm like, I am not me. And then I go, no, you are. That's that's highly inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Sailor Moon is. <laughs> well, if you get it, you what get is it. what is it? It's anime stuff. It's, oh, okay. Yeah. Go go look up Sailor Moon. There do you, you get go. together with other anime people? That was the joke. Sexy was, time. That was the joke. Because Comic Con is where like that stuff happened, like anime stuff, comic stuff. Yeah. So that was what I was saying. All right. Was where I do it. I was going to ask if you wanted me to come to the house and. As so Sailor Moon or comic or uh, Santa, <laughs> whatever, whatever you, whatever the kids would get a kick out of. <laughs> probably Santa, probably be the better one to do. Um, yeah, we maybe we could work something out like that. That'd be fun. Maybe right. you just uh, you swing by, wave. Maybe we catch you like digging through the trash can or something, and they're like, sure. "What's he doing in there?" It's like, oh, I could do the trading places and just pull a smoked salmon out of my salmon <laughs> costume. <laughs> That's right. Yes, exactly. Uh, Carlos Dunlop is frustrated. So he's frustrated he's just being used on third downs. He's been very vocal of that. Yesterday at the end of that game, he gets in like a heated screaming match with one of the assistants on the sideline to the point where the other players are asked about this after the game. And guys like Gio Bernard and, and, and Tyler Boyd had to say it was extremely unprofessional. And so then after the game, Carlos Dunlap goes on social media and says that he's putting his house up for sale because he's just so disgruntled, I guess. He just wants to get the hell out of Cincinnati. This is becoming quite a dramatic thing with this team right now. Yeah, it, it really is. And that's that's sad because I don't think they are as far away from being halfway decent, but it would take every player there 
buying in and saying, we have to buckle down. We're not as bad as our record says. We can do better than this. But if you've got guys openly asking to be you know, out of the team, and even if he feels like he should be a bigger part of what's going on there, that's that's unfortunately going to have an impact on the rest of the team, isn't it? If you're seeing someone go on Instagram or Twitter and announce that they're putting their house up for sale and you already know all the other drama going on behind the scenes with that, it's just a distraction that's not great. I don't blame him for being frustrated. I do blame him for the reaction to the frustration. More reaction from around the league yesterday. Cowboys are 2-5 and five after losing to Washington. Andy Dalton oh, had to leave that game. He just took was... a nasty hit. Well, and I got to say that that was uh, John Bostick, I yeah, think, who yeah. who had that hit, which is that's as bad of a hit as I have seen towards someone's head. In well, the, the NFL. helmet, the helmet flying off doesn't I help mean, things either. But yeah, yes, but either right. way, that's that's as that's as violent of a hit as I've seen someone put on another player's head in a long time in the NFL. Uh, I think John Bostick should be suspended for that hit. I'm surprised I, he's not. Now, I know I, I, all the reports are that he's not going to likely be suspended. They would have done it already. You'd think so. I don't get that. It it was terrible. But what I also don't get is where were any of the Cowboys? No, I know. Kidding. Like it looked bad for Andy Dalton. I could understand in the moment. Your first concern is: is this guy alive after that hit? It was so shocking. You saw some of the some of the Washington football team players turning and like putting their hands on their helmets and going, "Oh no!" Like you could see visible dismay and uh, you know concern from the Washington football team players. So. I know it was a shocking hit, but how does no one light that dude up? I, I don't know, man. How does this, this fight not break out over that? This weak mentally and physically. And they, they asked Mike McCarthy this after the game. Like, were you surprised that your guys didn't go after Bostic or make something happen? And his response was, yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. Well, okay. That would, be, that would be surprised. It's it's too bad. I know. Now, I was reading a little article out of Dallas where they were intimating that, you know, some of the guys on the team who have been injured or who have not been available this year some of them may have been the leaders who would do that but regardless i'm just surprised that you wouldn't have seen someone react in that way but either way that that notwithstanding the nfl should be above all that and should still say it doesn't matter if, if a fight happens doesn't happen whatever like that's such an egregious hit we have to get that out of the game you cannot crow about player safety and go on and on and on about how that's what the number one priority is and you care so much about it and then let a hit like that not get further punishment other than getting tossed from the game. I, I think that's uh, egregious. More thoughts from yesterday. Plus, Antonio Brown has a new team. Details next. Common Man and T-Bone on the fan. Fan traffic. From the Logan AC and Heat Services Traffic Center. Good afternoon. You'll find an earlier accident has cleared from the roadway of 71 northbound after Morse Road. All lanes are open and traffic is flowing freely in that area once more. This traffic report is sponsored by ZQL Pure Z's. You have to be up in five hours, two hours, and you haven't slept. Vic ZQL Pure Z's is a drug-free blend of botanicals with an optimal dose of melatonin that helps you fall asleep naturally and wake up the next day with no grogginess. ZQL Pure Z's, naturally superior sleep. On the NRA with fan traffic. Get in touch with your stupid. If worms had machine guns, then birds wouldn't be scared of them. This is Common Man and T-Bone. Hey, tonight on The Fan, 6 o'clock, two full hours of Buckeye Roundtable. Skip Mossick, Paul Keels, Jim Lachey breaking everything down for you, looking forward to Penn State. And then at 8 o'clock tonight, it's Monday Night Football. The Bears are out in Los Angeles for the Rams tonight. So there you go. Nice. Who'd you pick tonight? I forget. 
Because okay. that entire segment was a cluster, and I don't remember who I picked. I'm going to say I picked the Rams. Though. Yeah, Teddy, let's guess. try and pick games this week that are actually being played. <laughs> that would be helpful. So Bears and Rams, 8 o'clock tonight here on The Fan. Uh, Tampa was very good yesterday against the Raiders. Tom Brady was excellent. And now they've gotten some more help. Antonio Brown gets a one-year deal with Tampa. It is a cheap deal. Uh, incentives can be had to bring the deal up to $2.5 million. Here's what Bruce Arians had to say. By the way, Bruce Arians back in March said that Antonio Brown, not a fit for Tampa Bay. <laughs> right. And now here's what he said. I think he's matured, and I believe in second chances. Well, good thing, Bruce, because this is chance number five. So he says everybody wants to say that Tom picked him. Tom didn't have anything to do with it. Oh, This was okay. something Jason and I had been talking about for a couple weeks, ever since the injuries to our other guys. When the time was right, would we see, we saw if we could, we, what? what? Would we see if we could pull the trigger and fit him in to what we want to get done? And we'll see. If Antonio does what I think he's going to do, I think he's going to be fine. So, Tom Brady, not involved in this decision at all. Even though in the offseason we heard that they were working out together and that Tom Brady was trying to get him involved and that last year he was trying to get him involved, obviously, in New England, and we saw how that worked out. So Tom Brady, nothing to do with this. Yeah, that's uh, if they were fact-checking Bruce Arians like they do in all the political debates, they would say, our fact-checkers determined that was a lie. <laughs> There's no way Tom Brady wasn't involved. Now, maybe Tom Brady wasn't the impetus. Maybe he wasn't the guy behind the scenes going, you got to get A.B. You got to bring him in. I don't care what it takes. Let's make this happen. I don't worry about the chemistry. I want him here. Maybe that wasn't going on, but you don't think for a second they didn't go check in with him to say, hey, Tom. We're going to pull the trigger on this. Are you good with this? Do you think he'll work? In, you know, Are you able to work with him? And if he says, guys, really, I don't think we need him. I don't want him here. I, it will be a distraction for us. He's not my guy. Do you think they still go ahead with this? There's no chance. I, I would be shocked if they did. So, I, I, yes, they can say he wasn't maybe the driving force behind it, but the idea that he wasn't involved in it? Come on. Uh, he was... I. I... I said I got a kick out of this. Bruce Arians was asked what he would say to female fans to, of the Bucks for bringing in Brown. He said, women don't watch football. Leave me alone. Actually, he said. <sighs> Thank goodness he didn't say I that. It would be very bad that. for him if he said that. He says, I think you just let the court system do its job. Allegations. I've been around to players that have had allegations that weren't true. Some were. So let the court system handle it. If it's found out to be true, he won't be with us. Yeah, that's oh, all right. It's that fine. is called a cop out. That's what they call that. Because do you yeah, sing it like that too? Yeah, cop out. Right. Yeah, that's the big Broadway musical when Broadway comes back. No, I just I think that's I never like that when coaches say stuff like that. It's like, well, if it, if it's true, then the legal system will handle it. Uh, no, not always. The legal system can't often prosecute people if there's not enough evidence. So. Just don't say that next time. Just say say what you really mean, which is we don't believe this woman. That's what that's what they're saying by bringing him in, right? I mean, if they thought that the allegation was credible or in their mind, they wouldn't touch this guy. So they're saying we don't believe it, and that's what they should say, and then they should take whatever flack comes from that. But instead, they cop out and go, oh, the legal system, not our call. No, it is your call because you're going to give him over a million dollars, which I know is nothing in NFL terms, but in real money terms, it's still you're giving him a million dollars. You better know what you're getting into. So, Tom Brady, excellent yesterday as the Buccaneers go to Vegas to take care of the Raiders. 
Uh, Cam Newton was super bad yesterday, by the way, as the Patriots lose that game to the 49ers. And I don't know what to make of this because before the season started, this was the Cam Newton that I thought we were going to see. And that offense struggled in week one. And then the next couple weeks, Cam looked like old Cam. I mean, that... That Patriots offense was moving that game in Seattle where they lost that game, but it wasn't because of him. He was a one-man wrecking crew in that game. And you and I both said on the air the next day, if that's what Cam's going to be, then the Patriots got a steal with Cam Newton. Then, unfortunately, he had the virus, came back last week, was not any good, and then this week he was just awful. He was about as bad as a quarterback could have been. He was so bad that he admitted after the game yeah, I'm going to get my ass sat down if I keep playing like that. I was terrible. Of course he is. That's Yeah, that's not the way that I expected him to play, and, and I thought that was a pretty shocking result overall. Which one's real? Oh, with, with who which Cam, Cam is? Which Cam is real? Man, it's hard to believe that the Cam Newton we saw yesterday is who he is now as a player. It's hard for me, at least, to believe that. I know you were more on that line of thinking this offseason of saying, I don't think he's got it anymore. I thought if healthy, we wouldn't see this version of Cam anymore. And we did see a version of Cam Newton that looked really good early in the season. So I thought the health must be better. So this guy is not going to come back, the Cam you saw yesterday. But unfortunately, it does show that it's a little more complicated. Here's his line from yesterday. Cam was 19 of 15 for 98 yards, no touchdowns, three picks, was sacked once. What did I say? 19 of 15. That, that would, would have sense. been awesome. <laughs> if you have more completions than attempts. Right. Yes. That's why it was confusing. Three yeah, picks, that's... and they were bad. They were bad picks. It was like, no. one where he just threw it right to the ground or something. <laughs> yeah, it, he's bad. And I I can't imagine Bill Belichick went home last night. He gave a press conference where he left his mask on and was just very surly and frustrated. And, you know, we got to work hard. We got to fix this problem, all that stuff. But... You know he went home that night, and I don't think he slept a wink because the guy he wanted to keep and not have to trade away, his quarterback the future, Jimmy Garoppolo, tor- no, torched them isn't the word, but had a great day against yes, his defense. very good. Played very good. They were able to run the ball as well. They were balanced in all phases. You think it's lost on him that, that Tom Brady had five touchdowns yesterday well, too? Right, that's what I was going to say. Is he, he eventually, I'm sure, was aware that Tom Brady had a great day Jimmy Garoppolo had a great day. Either one of those guys being on the team would probably put them in a better shape than they are exactly at this moment. And Cam Newton, I will say this team is not as good. It's not as well constructed as it has been in recent years. It's not fair to put it all on Cam. But when you have that type of performance from the guy who is wearing your uniform and you see what the other guys are doing that aren't, that's that's got to make it sting even more. So... Yeah, I'm guessing these. this is not a fun time to be around Bill Belichick. Whenever there is a fun time, this would not be it. Of course, the game that everybody was obsessed with yesterday, the Chargers and the Jags, that was a mm. huge game. That's was, I know. Everybody Everybody just had parties. They, they violated it. all the coronavirus protocols just to get together to watch the Chargers and the Jags. Yeah, those were a couple of one-win teams going into that game. But so. I'll tell you what, man. Charger fan, and I said that in the singular because I think there's only one. <laughs> There is should be excited as hell about Justin Herbert because he is a dude, and you you look for flashes from a rookie quarterback, and he gives you flashes pretty much every single time he touches the football. He ran the ball yesterday well. He was throwing the ball all over the field. If I'm Charger fan, I'm excited about this guy. Yeah, yeah, no, he's putting on a really good performance, and I 
I am surprised. I did not think he was going to be the the best quarterback out of this group, and he may not be. Right? Joe Burrow has shown some flashes. We're we're going to get to see what Tua can do, but man, he he is right now early on. He's got to be in the driver's seat for like a rookie of the year, right? I mean, he's oh, been yeah, as, absolutely he's been as good as any rookie out there. So. Yeah, he's, he's had a phenomenal year and a, and a great game yesterday. And the Cardinals beat the Seahawks in overtime last night. That was a Boy, fun game, game to watch. That was a dramatic game to watch. If you don't have a dog in the fight, that was a fun game to watch. If you're rooting for either one of those teams, that was a nightmare. Yeah, well, I have Panama Ted in my life, and then I have Neighbor Ted, who lives around the corner from me, and Neighbor Ted is from Seattle. All right. So he is a he has a he puts up a laser on his house that has the Seahawks logo on it when game time. Like this guy is <laughs> he is has a dog in the fight. So I was like texting him throughout the game, and I'm like, this is looking good, and he was like, no, they could still come back, and I'm like, no, you got it. And so then I fell asleep and didn't catch the end of the game. Woke up this morning, saw how it ended, and saw the highlights and stuff. And I just texted him and said, "Sorry, I was uh, telling you your team was great." Because I was, I was like, "This is what a real football team looks like." Seattle, yeah, they got football players over there, unlike my stupid team. And I was just, we were talking back and forth. And then after, I jinxed him. I jinxed his team, and I feel very bad about that. The Cardinals came back in this game. I did not expect that, but Kyler Murray, man, he. He finds a little way to get something done. He is he's starting to become more of the guy that we heard about, and I didn't want to believe he would do it, but he was great. And I'll tell you one other thing that was great from this game, Mike. DK Metcalf. Did you see the chase down that he had yeah, on that interception? Yeah. I'm sure everyone, most people, if you're on Twitter, you've seen it because there was like a million replays of it. But I, I don't know that I've ever seen somebody that big who is that fast just pure straight line speed he chased down a smaller back who is clearly faster you would think that and was behind the play and running at a diagonal like none of that makes sense from a math standpoint that's not anything to do with the outcome of the game because Seahawks still lost but DK Metcalf my god he is a freak the football world almost exploded yesterday details next man and bone on the fan fan traffic from the Logan AC and heat services traffic center Good afternoon. A pocket of slow traffic to watch out for. You will find delays on 71 northbound between I-70 and East Broad Street. Watch out for slowdowns as rush hour begins to build. This traffic report is sponsored by Lowe's. Spending a lot of time at home staring at your floors lately? For some of us, it's probably time to update our floors. Luckily, Lowe's has a new flooring showroom with a bunch of great options to choose from. They even help with professional installation. See Lowe's.com to learn more. I'm Leanna Ray with Fan Traffic. Don't worry, we don't get bones and allergies either. This is Common Man and T-Bone. Coming up at 5.34 today, it's the segment that's not a segment, it's Yikes. So Yikes was yesterday when the Falcons and the Lions played because these are two teams that do everything in their power to mess up and give their opponent the game. Right, We talk about the Lions all the time and Matt Patricia blowing leads. The Falcons are famous for blowing leads. They fired their coach because they blew too many leads. Now Raheem Morris is there. And good news, curse still applies to the Atlanta Falcons. So I had this game yesterday on Red Zone Channel. And the Falcons are driving down the field. They're trailing in this game. They give the ball to Todd Gurley at the 10-yard line. All he has to do is stay in bounds. All he has to do is stay in bounds, and they run this clock down, and then you hit a chip shot field goal to win the game, and that's it. Now, I'm fully aware that in life, nothing is guaranteed. 
but a you know twenty four yard field goal to win the game, unless you're Morton Anderson kicking for the Vikings, that's pretty guaranteed. All right. Instead, Todd Gurley runs into the end zone, scores a touchdown, which means great. I scored a touchdown. My team's up. But well, you left a minute and four seconds on the clock. Matt Stafford drives down the field. Lions win the football game. End of story. And he didn't. I mean, he didn't even really run into the end zone as much as no. He fell because he, he tried to stop yeah, himself. He broke through like the Lions players that were trying to stop him, and then it was like they realized, oh wait, if we just let him go, we'll get the ball back. And then he had already had enough momentum from trying to push through the guys tackling him that it carried him into the end zone. And he literally like threw himself sideways at the goal line, yeah. trying to stay parallel to it. And he just he landed on the goal line with the ball in his arm, and that's going to be a touchdown. So. Now, after the game, he was swearing at himself. He said he was mad as, mad as hell as at himself for not falling down and staying in bounds and running that clock down and all that stuff. And it's... That's so Falcons. If you're a Falcons fan and you saw that, you're like, well, of course, that happens to my team. The other side of that is, when did it become just unheard of to expect your defense not to allow the opposing team just to run right down the field? Where you can't expect any stopping from your defense at all. Yeah, I, I don't know when that became a thing. And I also understand the mathematics of just saying we are going to, you know, try to just win this game with milking the clock down to nothing, not giving our opponent a chance to win. It is a weird thing that we've gotten to, even though that does make logical sense. What is weird about it is that you have resulted in, in that particular sequence, the Lions would have been best served if, as Todd Gurley ran into them, they grabbed his jersey and threw him into the end zone. That would have been the yes. better outcome for them. And for him, like there could have been a scenario where he got past some of those guys and they pushed him in the back to push him forward in the end zone. And he's like leaning back, trying to fall backwards. That would be the most, it's one of the most surreal scenes that we have. And I understand why it exists and why that happens. But it, I don't know how you fix that. Like there, there that shouldn't be the way football is played that when you have a chance to score a touchdown, you don't try to score it. I, I just, no, I know it didn't work out here, but it's strategic. And in that Penn State game, if they manage yes, that clock better, they win that football game. Yeah, I understand. And the goal is to win the game, not score touchdowns, technically, right? right? Yes. Scoring touchdowns usually helps you win football games. In a case here, it can't guarantee that you'll win, like not scoring a touchdown pretty much would have. So, yeah, that is just such a bizarre situation. And I, I felt for him because you could tell he did not want to go in, and he did, but. Yeah, it should be on your defense that they can handle having, you know, a minute left or whatever it was and be able to get a stop. By the way, speaking of bizarre things, how about Ryan Day apologizing after the game yeah. for scoring that final touchdown and not taking a knee? And and the explanation of that where he said, well, I got a young quarterback in there and Essentially, he doesn't know how to take a knee. They don't. Yeah, that was that was the weirdest explanation. So we love Ryan Day, but that does not make any sense. Makes no sense. So you're saying I don't? He doesn't know how to take a knee. He doesn't have the right personnel out there to take a knee. And I I understand that maybe you're worried about you know lining up in the right spot and making sure you're not getting a a formation penalty. All of that. First of all, who cares if you do? At this yeah. point, right, get a formation penalty. But you can say to your guys, hey, line up as if we're doing this play so that everybody's in the right spot. Right. And then when you get the ball, Jack, 
just take a knee or fall down or throw yourself down, whatever. I don't understand the mentality. It was like, well, I don't know how to take a knee. So we'll just run, we'll just run a play and <laughs> well, run into right. the end zone. See, my answer would have been if, again, this is why I'm not the head coach, I would have said, hey, um, I don't know if you're aware, we have a short season. Anybody at any time can just get three weeks off if they get the wrong tests, or not wrong, but they get a, a bad test result. I'm not going to tell my backups that they can't play football. We may need all of our that's backups. That's fine. I understand that. Score. I, if he would have so, said that after the game, I'd say bravo, right. Ryan Day. So I that's what you. I. That's why I thought this is not running up the score. This is we're trying to win a national championship, and we don't know when we're going to need any of these guys to come in and play meaningful minutes against better competition. They're going to score. They're going to run the offense that we would run if they were playing the Michigan game. We're going to run the offense if we were playing in a bowl game. Like, go ahead and do that. Why there needed to be an apology, I have no idea. And then further, why the apology involves something as ridiculous as they don't know how to kneel down or we didn't have the right personnel in there. What if they fumbled it, Mike, and it went all the way to the other end for a touchdown? Then you'd only have won by like just under 30 points. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? Who cares? Now, and that's it's one of the, I always talk about this is that there's this mentality when you're in high school where people always tell you, oh, you know, eventually high school is going to end. Right, all this pettiness, all the clickiness—it doesn't, it doesn't end. It continues. And how about Scott Frost? Like, Bleh. I'm going to call a timeout. Then, Bleh. how you like that? Timeout. Two seconds left. Scott Frost time couldn't out. even figure out. He couldn't figure out how to put his mask on right after time. He had it hanging around his chin. He's, you he know had what? To your point, up as a blindfold. He's lucky because there was one. There was a, a, a time there in that first half. He was arguing with an official without yeah, a mask down. down. Yes. He could have gotten a 15-yard penalty for that, and they didn't do it. I know. And, and <laughs> I'm not a big I, – I was a big Scott Frost fan when he was leading UCF, and I thought, okay, well, he's going to come to Nebraska and do good things. I'm thoroughly convinced he's one of the dumbest coaches in, co- in college football, but certainly in the Big Ten. I have not been impressed with his tenure uh, or anything that he has done while he's been in Nebraska. If you've missed anything from the first two hours of the program, we got you covered with the rundown. Coming up, Common Man and T-Bone on the fan. Fan traffic. From the Logan AC and Heat Services Traffic Center. Good afternoon. You're going to find an injury accident on Alum Creek Drive at Watkins Road. It is causing some backups over here. Please be extra cautious as they work to get the roadway clear. This is an injury accident. Traffic will be slow. This traffic report is sponsored by Lowe's. Spending a lot of time at home staring at your floors lately? For some of us, it's probably time to update our floors. Luckily, Lowe's has a new flooring showroom with a bunch of great options to choose from. They even help with professional installation. See Lowe's.com to learn more. I'm Leanna Ray with Fan Traffic. Broadcasting live from the Tacoma Dome, here's Man and Bone. Happy Monday. It's Reaction Monday brought to you by Taco Bell. We have Yikes coming up at 534, the segment that's not a segment. I'll give you a little sneak peek of my Yikes. Oh. I have a weather Yikes. Okay. And I have uh, some Zach Taylor stats for you as well. Hmm. Okay. Who is aggravating me more and more every single week. But let's not delay. Let's hit the rundown. Common Man and T-Bones. The Rundown. The Rundown. Sponsored by Boren Brothers Waste Services. The real local trash company. Boren Brothers. Taking out the trash. Buckeyes beat Nebraska 52-17. to 17. Uh, Breaking news. Justin Fields, good. And, you know, this guy finished third in the Heisman voting last year. And yet I feel like he didn't start playing his best football until that Michigan game 
where he he came back in, and then in the bowl game, I thought he was fantastic. In the Big Ten championship game, I thought he was fantastic. And we heard all the stories this offseason that he was becoming more of a leader. We saw that when we thought we weren't going to have football. He was making the media rounds and you know making his point known that he wants to play football and his teammates want to play football. And at the time, we said, well, that's nice. You're not going to change anything. And I don't... I don't know if it did change anything or if the evolution of science changed something or if Kevin Warren fell off his toilet or it was the meeting with Donald Trump. I have no idea. Here's what I know. We saw football, Big Ten football, for the first time this season, and Justin Fields is a tremendous talent. This was the Justin Fields show. 20 of 21, 276, two touchdowns through the air, one on the ground. He was essentially perfect. He was a drop touchdown pass from Chris Olave away from being a perfect quarterback on Saturday. Yeah, he was he was great. He was you said earlier he's the show. And that's he it. He was the I show. Mean, he he did it all. So I was anticipating I I guess this is the luxury of having a player of that talent. I was not worried that Justin Fields would come out and, and not be able to play. What we saw last year, to me, uh, showed that this is a player at the height of his abilities, and if anything, there, I was thinking we might even see him improve in the offseason if it was possible, and he has. Uh, it's one game, sample size. I realize that. There may be some bumps, but right now he looks about as good as anyone in college football through just his first game. So I have I have little lack of confidence in anything that they want to do as long as he's on the field, right? If they decide to go for it in deep in their own territory with him, as long as he's out on the field, yeah, I believe that they could probably do anything they want to. And this offense is good enough where I feel like they would be able to score 10-plus points per quarter, maybe even two touchdowns per quarter on average, which would put them between like you know 40 and 50 points pretty much every game. If they've got that, I don't think there's a team in college football that can also put that type of points on the board. So uh, this offense has a chance to be prolific. It obviously won't break a ton of records because of the number of games that there are, but on an on like game by game percentage, Justin Fields is is poised to put up some tremendous numbers this year and and the Buckeyes are going to benefit from that. Who was the Teddy, who was the professional wrestler that used to use the whole effing show? Was it Rob Van Dam who used to say that? We should just nickname Justin Fields the whole effing show. And actually, I I hope that that's not the case because I hope that we have some semblance of a running game because that offensive line was not getting the push off the line of scrimmage early in that football game. And we can look at Master Teague and we can look at Trey Sermon and say, well, they're inexperienced, so it's going to take them some time. I don't know if it was necessarily on them. They didn't have a ton of running room in that first half. Hopefully that improves. Again, we have to tell each other that this is the first game of the season. This is the first time they've seen any real competition. And if, air quotes, struggling is you only lead Nebraska by 10 going into the half, then I'll, I'll take that every single time. Yeah, I do think one one thing to keep in mind with both defenses, you could certainly put this at Ohio State, though, when you saw them having chances in the open field to kind of make plays and not getting it done initially, and some guys... I thought in the first few drives, quite a few players for the Buckeyes were struggling to get off their blocks where in another year they would have shed a block and made a tackle. And instead, I think that's why you saw Nebraska have some ease moving the ball down the field, especially running the football. Um, but that stuff got cleaned up later in the game. They got used to hitting. And it, it dawned on me, though, like how much hitting have they done all preseason? Not a ton, no. right? 
So this is I, that's part of it is where you're not getting used to getting hit as much as you would by this point if it was a regular season. You've got guys trying to block you, and it's a little harder to to get rid of that and make your play. So I think it's a little what you saw with the defense too. But to go back to the running game that you talked about. Yeah, I, I, I'm not as worried about the running game. I do think it will come around. I think it's just going to be a factor. If you gave one guy, because like Trey Sermon had 11 carries, Master Teague had 12, Steel Chambers had four, Justin Fields himself ran it 15 times. Like if you gave one of those guys 25 carries, I think the numbers would be there. Maybe I not think two. Ryan Day's trying to figure out who that one guy's going to be. I don't think he knows. I, know, I, I realize that. And I, I do think you are going to see that change as the season goes along. I don't have a good feel for who it should be right now. You can make the case that Steel Chambers, with his four carries, had a little more impact than any of the other guys did with their 11 or 12. So maybe he gets more of a look. I I think for the interim right now, as you know, the offense is going to hum with Justin Fields back there. And I do think a guy will emerge in the next couple weeks. And I would say probably by week four or five, you will see one guy getting 20 carries a game. But I still, yeah, I don't know who that's going to be right now. One more thing on Justin Fields. There were times last year where I looked at Justin Fields and I thought that he was just going to be a very good Saturday quarterback, and that's that's fine. We've had a lot of very good Saturday quarterbacks. We've had great Saturday quarterbacks. JT Barrett was a great Saturday quarterback, but I didn't look at JT Barrett and say, I see a lot of faith in him playing on Sundays. And there were times last year with Justin Fields where I said, yeah, he's very good on Saturday. I don't know if I see him playing on Sundays. And I would see him on the draft boards and people liked him and they would talk about how he was going to be the real deal on Sundays, but I didn't see it until that Michigan game where I felt like things changed for him. And then this Justin Fields that I saw on Saturday, I saw a guy who could play on Sundays. I mean, I, I really did. I... He was not bashful throwing the football. He was putting it where he needed to put it. His mechanics were good. He had opportunities to run more than he did, which, by the way, he ran 15 times, but he had chances to run more than he did. He decided to stay in in the pocket and throw the football. He was making Sunday decisions. Now, he was throwing to open guys on Saturday, but there were times we had to fit that ball in on those deep passes. They were almost flawless in execution. Yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about Justin Fields as far as his arm. I'm not worried about him with his ball placement. I'm not worried about him when someone breaks through and, and puts him on the run. Nine times out of ten, I feel like he's going to make a good call there, either getting rid of it or not taking a sack or maybe even turn it into positive yardage. Uh, I like him when they design a run play for him. I like it when he, you know, pump fakes, pulls it down, like, I like the whole thing. I think he's the whole, he's the whole effing show. I, I've decided I'm going to be vegan now because yes, <laughs> he is the whole effing show, and I am fully in on the Justin Fields hype train. Buckeyes in Penn State next weekend. Brownies beat the Bengals in a barn burner yesterday. Baker was flawless in the second half. The news from the Browns today is that Odell Beckham Jr. has a torn ACL. Bone, give me your thoughts on this. I mean, there. Are, there are some excited Browns fans today because they're saying, hey, man, that was a great performance in that second half. We're 5-2. and two. We haven't been 5-2 and two in eons. Yippee-ki-yay. This is great. And maybe it is. And maybe this is the start of consistent Baker Mayfield again. Or maybe they beat a team that they should beat, which has sort of been the hallmark of their season so far. Well, here, here's the reality, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with being happy with being 5-2. and two. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm a Browns fan who is happy to see the team be 5-2. and two. For me... I am a bit of a weirdo and probably I'm I'm yes. wrong for doing this. So yeah, that's known. Yes. But I want to see my team have a chance. If they're going to make the playoffs, I want to see them be a good playoff team. 
I am not saying that I expect the Browns to go from a few years ago being 0-16 to being Super Bowl champs, but I want to see them have the opportunity to compete in the playoffs and not just get there. I want them to be competitive. I want to feel like when I'm watching that game, it's not a foregone conclusion that they're just going to get blown out. Maybe that's wrong of me to have those expectations because as Browns fans, we have seen so much terrible football over the last 20 years that anything resolving like resembling playoffs is going to be great. I just want to see them do it against better teams. And I don't think the Bengals are a great team right now. I think Joe Burrow is on his way to being a really great quarterback, and he kept them in that game. But yeah, Baker looked good this past weekend. He threw five touchdowns. He was 22 in a row. I mean, and, and some of those throws, Mike, they were dimes, right? They were absolutely, absolutely great throws. There's nothing that Donovan Peoples Jones finally getting some looks, that, and, and he made a great play. But even at the even end. on that, that was, a, that was a good throw, all right? But even on that, you're relying on Mario Van Peebles, my guy. <laughs> You know what I mean. To make a fantastic catch. And I forgot who was on coverage there, but if, if he turns his head a half second earlier, he's probably picking that ball off. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm not trying to rip Baker. What I am saying is, if you believe that losing by 30 to the Steelers and Ravens is just the way it has to be, and that there's nothing that you can expect of your team, I'm going to view that differently. And if you look at beating the Bengals by three points and say, this is a sign that they've turned a corner and they're so much better now and Baker's figured it out, I'm also not going to go there. If if we all want to be happy about winning this game, yeah, I'm happy they won. It's better than losing. But does it prove to me that anything's fixed with this team? Does it prove to me that they're going to be a playoff caliber team that can actually go there and do something? No, I need to see a lot more improvement from this team before that. And don't look now. But go back and watch some of that Baker Mayfield tape again. He's on one guy the entire time for 90% of those throws. They just didn't happen to have guys who could make plays on the ball. But better teams have guys who will read that quarterback and they will pick that quarterback like they have. So All right, stop being negative bone. That's where I that's where I come away stop from watching it. this game. They won the game. Fine. Baker's awesome. I, w- I will say this, that if let's pretend that final drive didn't happen and the Browns wind up losing that game. The storyline today is that final drive for the Bengals, where the Browns yes. are on defense. Yes, that could be the worst tackling display oh, that God. I've seen oh, in it was years. Gross. It, was it was so gross. terrible. Yeah, and, and and this is not to let the Browns' defense off the hook. No, because uh, they they need assistance. No, they they. This is what's frustrating to me is we knew the Bengals' defense was going to be bad. Bengals fans should watch that game, come away from it, going, "It sucks. We didn't win it. We had every chance to win it. We got to start winning some of these games." But you know your team is not built to win right now. Browns fans know your team is built to win right now. And yes, they did win. So that's good. That defense, though, woof, that's not okay to have that type of performance late in the game. You're getting that happen to you from a rookie quarterback. That's, that is just a, that's a bad performance by this Browns defense. Absolutely. Who do the Browns have next week? Raiders? Oh, I got to go look. I forget. I'm yeah, saying the schedule's easier. All right, fine. I'll look it up. It's done. Common Man and T-Bones. The Rundown. The Rundown. Sponsored by Boren Brothers Waste Services. The real local trash company. Boren Brothers. Taking out the trash. Sorry. Talking over the sponsor like an animal. I forgot. It's, uh, yes, Raiders, then Texans after that, then Eagles after that, then Jags after that, Mike. This team is going to be... Super Bowl. 
nine and two Super possibly. Bowl of poo. There's a possibility they get to nine they and two, be. eight and three at the worst. They should be. And then that's they gross. play Titans, Ravens, and then we'll we'll see what's what. But that's not till December. So, all right, I'll take my chances with that schedule. More proof that the Buckeyes move the meter. Details next. Common Man and T Bone on the fan. Fan traffic from the Logan AC and Heath Services Traffic Center. Good evening. You'll find an earlier accident has cleared from Elm Creek Drive at Watkins Road. All lanes are now open in that area, but traffic is still slow as it recovers. Plan on some residual backups in this area. This traffic report is sponsored by BP. A Columbus, fill your tank with Amico Ultimate with Invigorate and keep on going. Amico Ultimate with Invigorate at BP and Amico stations. Only an array with fan traffic. One is angry, the other one is bald. What do you think I mean, bald? Here's man and bone. Hey, temperatures are dropping. That means you'll be cranking up that furnace to keep the house warm. If you have old drafty windows, you need to call Universal Windows Direct. Their windows not only look great, but they'll save you tons on energy bills and keep your house warm all winter long. Universal Windows Direct gives you high-quality vinyl replacement windows that are built to last a lifetime. Right now, buy one window, get one window free, plus zero payments and zero interest for 24 whole months. Give them a call now, 614-502-5220, or click, 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 universalwindowsdirect.com. Tell them Anthony mm-hmm. Fauci sent you. Oh, did he? Okay. Yep. You know, you don't want to have the drafts in your house. No, no, of course not. That get would be drafts, bad. You get sick, you get sick, you get dead. He doesn't yeah, want you well, to die. Let's hope not. I did. I will say this on the uh, COVID front. I did see a little encouraging news. Um, there is an Ohio State uh, epidemiologist that I follow on Twitter whose name is escaping me right now. I'll make sure to retweet him. But he had been posting some things. And he's been very like steady on all this stuff of like, hey, don't get too crazy. Stuff's not, you know, we're still got a long way to go. He was saying like, yes, there are stuff, there are things out there now, treatments that if people would have, people who passed away in March and April had some of what we had now, they'd have a much better chance for survival. So he was saying we are getting closer to this stuff, but it's still going to be a few months. But I'm that like that was one of the more encouraging things I read over the weekend, and I am excited to hear that. So. Good. I'm 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 just gonna read him and ignore anything else because I just want to be through this. I just want it to be over. It'll be over. I know it'll be over, but you know, meantime, it's not over. Here's what, I, here's what I would tell myself whenever I was in situations that I didn't want to be in. And I don't know if it helps anybody else, but it would help me. And this is what I've been telling myself through the pandemic. Time is nothing. All right, time is a made up thing, it's nothing. Before you know it, we're going to be on our deathbeds looking back at our lives, and we're going to say, where did it all go? Now, don't mm-hmm. think about that, but instead, <laughs> that's, that's think fun. about when we can just you know congregate together and not worry about infecting each other. It, 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 will, it will happen. It'll I be know, fine. I we'll know. be all right. I know. Unless but it, we're not, and then <laughs> forget what I said. <laughs> I did see that uh, one of my favorite events of the, like, it's one of the first things that happens where I start to think we're getting out of winter. Uh, the 24 hours at Daytona, which is a big sports car race. They yes. race for 24 straight hours. That is 96 days away. Now, of course, that's like Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, holidays, New Year's. All that stuff is all jam-packed in before that. But we're getting closer to 
like next year. And I'm starting to, I'm starting to take some energy from that and be like, all right, we're getting into 2021. Let's hope it's not anything like 2020. Let's hope it's much better. Uh, Buckeye fans move the meter. And we say this all the time. And, you know, I've heard people say, ah, you're homers. You know, not everybody cares about Ohio State. Just you care about Ohio State. As I know everybody cares about Ohio State. And here's more proof. Saturday's 52 to 17 route of Nebraska, which aired at noon Eastern time, which cuts off half the country, really, or not the half the country, but you know what I mean. West yeah. Coast time, that's nine o'clock in the morning. Not you don't have a ton of people getting up for that. Not right. necessarily prime viewing time for the West Coast. Yet it was still the highest rated college football game of the day. We're talking about a blowout for the most part, 52 to 17, noon kick. It outdrew the ABC primetime game. It outdrew all the Hillbilly games on CBS. It had an average metered market rating of 3.7. Locally in Columbus, uh, 36.7 was the television rating. In Cleveland, it had a 21.4. In Cincinnati, it had a 12. Then the next highest markets were Indianapolis, it had a 6.9. And Detroit, it had a 5. But this is what I always talk about when it comes to the power of Ohio State. And that doesn't mean that the system is rigged to get teams like Ohio State that bring ratings like this into a playoff. But I I always say, if you have two people that are equally qualified for a job, equally qualified for a job, one comes in, one is attractive, one is ugly, who's going to get the job? The hot person every single time. If it's a tie between the Buckeyes and someone else for that final playoff spot, who's always going to get it? The TV numbers team is going to get it. Absolutely. It's business. And Ohio State brings in the business. Yeah, and for people who don't understand that 36 share in Columbus, that means of the TVs that were on in Columbus during that time, 36% of them were tuned in. Roughly 36% were tuned into that game. So one out of every three TVs that was on in this city was turned to that. And that doesn't tell the full story because how many people congregated? I drove past a couple places on Saturday, and the parking lots were full about an hour before game time. I am not advocating that. We shouldn't be getting together in mass, but people do. They were all watching one television set. Imagine if they were home watching their own TV sets. That number would be even higher. Probably watching reruns of Perfect Strangers, Mike. Absolutely. It wasn't Ohio State they were watching. I mean, they could have been watching anything. We don't know what they were watching. I know what they were watching. (laughs) I do, too. Hey, uh, real quick thing from the NBA. We told you last week the NBA was looking at maybe Christmas Day starting back up, which would be a pretty quick off-season, like a 10-week off-season by the time it's all said and done. Well, the new report today is that they're looking uh, pre-Christmas Day to start a reduced regular season schedule of 72 games. Then they would have a play-in tournament, uh, no All-Star game, no All-Star weekend in Indianapolis. They are considering a two-week break at the midway point of the season. So from what I understand... They would sort of be like what happened this year, which is you don't just go right to the playoffs. You have like a little tournament to figure out who's going to get into the playoffs. See, I would hope they don't do that just because, uh, like as far as the tournament at the end of the season, because 72 games is, that's an NBA season for me. Pretty close. I'd rather have 82, but the reality is if you played 68 or 50 games, People would still say, all right, well, just tell us who the best teams are. We want to watch the playoffs. Like, that's your main thing. I know having extra playoffs in their minds, it's another way to generate more television revenue, which is why I'm, I'm 
starting to fear that we will eventually have every team in the league just be put into the playoffs and then they will have like a play in round and then they will have the actual playoffs with home court advantage for the best teams. But either way, yeah, the NBA I think should, should forego all the other stuff and just get to the playoffs, do 72 games and go right into it. And everybody knows the rules going in. That was a little different than this year where you had some teams just couldn't play all their games. Maybe they're anticipating that that will happen again. And they might, you know, maybe they're feeling like we we may have cancellations, we may have unforeseen circumstances, so we'll have this tournament ready to go in case some teams have fewer games played. We can still figure that out on the court as opposed to doing it with a calculator. And and maybe that's the reasoning behind that. Bone, you know what's coming up next? I do know. Well, tell me. Yikes. Yikes! Common Man and T-Bone on the fan. Yikes. Fan traffic. From the Logan AC and Heat Services Traffic Center. Good evening. Some construction work to watch out for on the roads right now. You'll find the roadway reduced to one lane on I-70 westbound at the 71 East Split. Watch out for slowdowns, especially where traffic begins to merge. This traffic report is sponsored by EverStream, the business-only fiber network. At EverStream, the business-only fiber network, they believe business deserves better. EverStream's full-surface approach to business connectivity delivers the speed and reliability that businesses demand. EverStream, faster fiber, better business. I'm Leanna Ray with fan traffic. And from every dime a dog night in the Midwest, because he's fat. here's Man and Bone. Tonight on The Fan, top of the hour, 6 o'clock, we have two full hours of Buckeye Roundtable. Skip Mossick, Paul Keels, Jim Lachey will break down all things Buckeyes in Nebraska, get you ready for Penn State. That is tonight at 6. Then at 8 o'clock tonight, we have Monday Night Football. The Bears are out to play the Rams. Catch all the action right here. But right now time for yikes shall i start or should we switch it up and have you go first Bo? no you can you can start that's fine uh we look for patterns and consistency on this show because then and only then can you truly discover if something or someone is good or bad since the start of last season zach taylor's Bengals are 1 12 and 1 in games decided by one possession yikes now, you can point to a few and say, yes, but here's, here's why. Here's why that is. But we're talking about a 14-game sample size, and a record like that is a direct correlation to bad coaching. Yikes. Uh, my first yikes is the NASCAR race at Texas. So that was supposed to happen yesterday. It got rained out all day yesterday. So they've postponed it to today. It was supposed to start at... 10 a.m. today, Mike. They wanted to get this race in. I'm now, guessing it didn't. Yeah, it's been raining all day. They are now saying it's probably going to rain all night. They're trying to get in a little window here, but more rain is expected in an hour or two. They are saying if it if they don't get in tonight, the track could freeze overnight, and then they'd have to thaw the track out and then dry the track out. I'd like to add, this is a playoff Race. I mean, there are only three races left in the NASCAR schedule. This is part of the way they're going to determine the final four drivers for the final race of the year. It's a big deal that this has now taken two days and possibly more to get this race in. Yikes. Teddy? Redskins rookie running back Antonio Gibson. Who? Exactly. Who? He rushed for 72 yards against my Cowboys in the first quarter of yesterday's game. In their first six games this season, the Washington football team did not have a player rush for more than 55 yards in any game. Yikes. 
He did throw the R word. His, in who, there, his yeah. who was for the team name. Yeah, yeah. that's okay. That, it, it, you're right. We're all learning. It's okay. Ted's a racist. Yikes! Oh, stop! Stop! stop. I don't root for him at least. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Timmy Hall. <laughs> Uh, Clayton Kershaw was good last night, good enough to get the Dodgers within a game of winning the World Series, but some people are falling all over themselves, heaping praise on a five and two-thirds, two-run performance like he threw a complete game shutout. I was reading some history today, so how about this for a World Series performance? Babe Ruth, 1916 World Series Game 2. He pitched a 14-inning complete game for the win, Allowing a run on six hits. Yikes. And for those of you who say it was an easier game to master back then, please name me another player who had a tremendous success as a hitter and a pitcher. I'll hang up and listen for my answer. Go ahead, Bone. Yeah. Uh, My second, yikes. It's going to the Moon cell phone. If you've not heard about this, NASA is giving a cell phone company $14 million to build a 4G network on the moon. Because apparently they say they want to establish a presence up on the moon. And to do that, they want to make sure that all the astronauts can communicate with each other. I would think they wouldn't need cell phones to do that, but apparently they do. Um, I don't know. It seems like we got talkies work. Yeah, it seems like we got other things going on down here than maybe putting cell towers up on the moon. But in either case, that just seems like a waste of money to me. Yikes. My second yikes, Tom Brady has 18 touchdown passes and four interceptions this season. The Patriots have three touchdown passes and 11 interceptions. The last time the Patriots had the fewest touchdown passes and most interceptions thrown in the NFL this late in the season was 1972. Yikes. Who was the quarterback in 72? Uh, Jimmy Jimmy, uh, Kodak. The low temperature in Salt Lake City was 20 degrees this morning. That broke a record for this date, October 26th. Way back in 1878 is when the previous record low of 22 was recorded. 1878, yikes. The high today in Denver, 16. The average high temp for October 26th, 61, yikes. And just in case you're wondering where the coldest place in the country is today, it is Warland, Wyoming, where all 5,487 residents live. It is negative six today for the high. Yikes. Uh, My third yikes is going to my own parenting. So Friday night I was playing fetch with our puppy. We have a three-month-old dog that brings me his toy. I throw it for him. He brings it back. I throw it for him. We're doing this inside. My one-year-old daughter sees me throwing a toy for my puppy mm-hmm. or for the family puppy. And I like so, how you said your puppy. Well, Even yeah. though originally when you got this thing, it's like, yeah, it's for the girls. You know, they need <laughs> something. Good responsibility for the girls. Is, I'm up every single night with the puppy, but you know, <laughs> my puppy. I mean, there's... That's right. It's exactly right. It's how it's gone. So... The little one turns to me. She brings again. She's thirteen months old. She brings me a toy and just starts going, yeah, 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 like a thirteen-year-old does. They just like don't have words yet, but they're just shouting. And so she's shouting at me, and then she starts looking away, and then looking back at me, and she hands me the toy, and I realize she's trying to communicate that she too, yes, would like to play fetch. Yes. So did I, as a father, like say, oh, I'm going to be done playing with the dog. I'm going to sit down and read a book to her or take some attention for her. No, I thought. She wants to play fetch. 
Let's play fetch. So I actually threw her Good. toy. She wa- She could not have been happier, by the way. She walked over, got it, had a big smile on her face, was shaking the toy and laughing as she came back. She gave it to me. I threw it again. Dog comes up to me. He brings me a toy. I'm throwing his toy. We're all just fetching and chasing. And this is how I parent at 38 years old with three kids and a dog. I have just decided to play fetch with my kid. So... I am sorry for whatever psychological damage that may be causing down the road. Yikes. I did that. I did that with Samantha when she just first started running around. She wanted to play fetch. and She pretended she was a dog. She oh, would, yeah. She what? would yell, go get it, dog. And I would throw a <laughs> ping pong ball and she would have to go fetch yeah. the ping. And she That's had the time have. of her life. We have a we have a little thing, a toy that shoots balls out of it. And then they, you know. Right, yeah. So she likes to take those and then give them to us, and we throw them, and she'll go chase them down. But yeah, she likes to play fetch, so my kid plays fetch. All right, Teddy, go ahead. All right, going back to my last yikes, 1972, it was Jim Plunkett, not Jimmy Kodak. My bad. All right, who cares? Got it. That's good. All right, Rice lost to Middle Tennessee State 40-34 to in overtime on Saturday. Middle Tennessee State missed a 50-yard field goal on their first overtime possession. Rice then ran one play on their first possession, then had their quarterback. He took a knee on second and third down for some reason. This led to Rice attempting a 47-yard field goal for the win, and that field goal hit the right upright, the crossbar, the left upright, the crossbar again, and then fell back into the end zone. Rice would miss another field goal in the second overtime, and Middle Tennessee State won it with a touchdown on their possession. Yikes. So what was that? Was that triple doink or quadruple? Quadruple. Did you guys doink. see yeah, that? I did see that, actually. That was quite the, uh, quite the miss. By the way, going back to that Brownie-Bangle game yesterday. So Baker drives down the field, right? Throws a touchdown pass to Mario Van Peebles. Mario <laughs> Peebles-Jones. Him, yes. too. Extra point by Cody Parkey. Is missed. Yes. Now there's not there's not a ton of time left on the clock, but they got a little bit of a decent return on the squip kick and got him in a position where Joe Burrow could throw that hail mary. Once you saw that ball get tipped into the air, oh, like did you just like for a moment start flowing out of you? (laughs) Oh, my stomach was in yeah in a pit. I'm just like I can't believe that this is possibly coming down to it. it. It it time slowed down. That is where time travel truly is, is watching your team almost lose a game. Yes, there is no longer moment in time than a Hail Mary that gets tipped up in the air. If science could figure out how to lift that feeling out of you and then expand it and then distill it and then give it to someone else, that would be time travel, where you've just slowed down time to a point that you can actually process every little moment that's going on. Oh, It's excruciating, but yes, thankfully that did not happen, and Browns pulled it out. So there you go, five and two. Back page. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now your optimistic bone. Five and two. Back page coming up. Common Man and T Bone on the fan. Fan traffic from the Logan AC and Heat Services Traffic Center. Good evening. You're going to find some road construction as the roadway reduced to one lane on I-70 westbound at the 71 East split. Traffic is still slow for Miller Avenue in this area. Plan about a five-minute delay. This traffic report is sponsored by the Columbia Gas Home Energy Audit. Let Columbia Gas help you save money on your monthly energy bills with a free home energy audit. This free audit comes with a safety check of your natural gas furnace, testing for drafts and insulation, and more. Scheduled by December 31st at ColumbiaGasOhio.com slash home energy audit. I'm Leanna Ray with Yikes Fan Traffic. Buckeye Roundtable coming up at the top of the hour. Two full hours of Buckeye goodness. 
and then Monday Night Football at 8. So I saw this today. DraftKings, the gambling site. Uh, yeah. It is going to refund the money to bettors who lost on Penn State Saturday against Indiana. Really? Yeah, they're going to refund the money. Anybody who bet on Penn State to win on the money line. Just straight up, yeah. If uh, they're not going to refund the money of people who bet on the point spread because Penn State was a six-point favorite and right. that wasn't going to happen anyway. Look, man, I understand that it was a controversial call. I get it. And I understand that Penn State fans are pissed off. They feel like they should have won the game. But is this such an egregiously bad call that this is what we're doing? We're refunding money? Indiana won the damn football game. I'm sorry. I, I watched the play. Michael Penix Jr. is going for the pylon. It was called a touchdown on the field. You go back and look at the replay, the reasonable replay. I'm not talking about the Kennedy film that I've subsequently seen. The reasonable replay, there is not enough indisputable evidence to reverse the call. And if it were called the other way, if it was called out of bounds on the field and the conversion was not good, I'd say the same thing. There wasn't enough in the replay to reverse the call. Why is this so controversial? Well, I think it's controversial just because people expect if you're going to tell them replace there, you're going to get it exactly right 100% of the time. The answer is no. It's In my mind, it's meant to overturn egregious things that we can clearly see very quickly. You know, like like last night, uh, Carlos Hyde in the, the Seattle-Arizona game. He had a tiptoe down the sidelines yep. going into the end zone, scored a touchdown, and, inst- and like as soon as he made it into the end zone... You heard Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth going like, well, but hang on here. Did he step out of bounds? we got to check that. They went to replay, and it took one angle. With They had a perfect overhead angle, and they showed every single step, and there was a slice of green in between his foot and the sideline every single step. So it that's that, to me, is clear and easy, and that's why it exists, is if you saw him step out of bounds, then you would reverse it. But we don't need to be taking frame by frame and hands and hands and like zooming in. That's not the spirit of this rule. Now, I do think that the, uh, the was DraftKings you said that did this? Yes. So I think they did that because probably there weren't a ton of bets that swung on that. And I bet that they were probably doing fine <laughs> or have been doing really well in other areas that enough that they were able to say, Hey, let's write this off as a marketing expense. Right? You tell people, hey, we think that was a rough call and we know it sucks. We're still going to pay out these other people, but we are going to give that money back because it was such a close game. We feel bad for you. Please don't forget about us and please bet with us more. Like, don't you think every person who got their money back there is going to feel much better about that place and say, I will do this again for, with them because they take care of me? Like, I, I, I guess so. But let, I think that's point, why they did that. Let's just realize what this is. Yes, it's, it's marketing. They're, they're paying for public relations. That's it, and and we're talking about it. That's that's that is why they gave that refund was because they think that's in the best interest financially for them down the road to keep customers coming back. It's not necessarily because it was such an egregious call. Even if people feel that way, that's not why they're doing it. Back page. The back page. The back page. With Common Man and T-Bone. Sponsored by Care Heating and Cooling. When you need a company you can trust, call 1-800-COOLING. Bone. Well, man, I've been following this story with great interest, and I have some good news to report on the Asian giant hornet, a.k.a. the murder hornet. 
All right. Now, do you know the story that's been going on the last couple weeks in Washington? No. State of Washington. The the Department of Agriculture there had confirmed not just some murder hornets arriving naturally and living in Washington. They found a hive. They found a, not a hive, a nest is technically what they call it. The first nest they have found in the state of Washington. And the I'm giving you an update because there's good news on this. They showed up. I have a picture here that shows about 12 people in what looks like rubber spacesuit goofy outfits. But they don't want to get stung by the murder hornets. They are using some kind of technology to wipe out the murder hornet. They, they is that actually technology t- called fire? Uh, well, I don't know what they're using. There's like infrared lights they're using. It's, it looks like a scene out of a sci-fi movie. I promise you. It's one of the most bizarre things I've seen. But they said that they, they tweeted out, got him, uh, and said that they had actually gotten rid of these hornets. So they're they're all done. They actually had them. Oh, I see. They, they've got them contained in like a little bucket. So I guess they just sucked them out of the hive, and they've got them in this like contraption why that keeps we, them vacuum sealed. Why are you keeping them alive? I don't think they are. I think they're dead. Oh, but they... Right. They've kept them in this vacuum sealed thing, so now that they're they're done. So I thought we determined that that was a no big deal. The murder hornets. Well, I mean, it's not a big deal in the sense that like one of them doesn't kill you, but they are still like they're very bad for bees. They do kill bees. So now bees kill them back. It's a very complex relationship. But that's what bees, I mean. Like how not we doing well? How are we determining which species we we well, fight with? In this case, it's because bees naturally occur here and these do not these murder hornets were brought over someone may have come over in a shipment of something someone may have brought one over and let it out and a couple others got out and they found each other but either way they have killed this big nest so that i think is good news i'm hoping that's good news i hope that means that we won't have more of them uh let's let's hope so over the weekend mike borat subsequent movie film the second borat came out on amazon prime i believe is where that is yes they have uh, previously not been a fan of this movie is Kazakhstan, the country where Borat is supposedly from. Um, but they apparently have changed their mind on oh. that. They have said now they've decided that the, the slogan for Kazakhstan will be Borat's key phrase, very nice. So they've adopted that as their Torum slogan, Kazakhstan, very nice. Who's going there? Someone because may. I, I know someone may, but because of the movie they're going there? I don't know. All I know is very nice. Uh, Buckeye Roundtable, very nice. Coming up at the top of the hour, then it's Monday Night Football at 8. We'll see you back here tomorrow, 3 in the P. Common Man and T-Bone on the fan. Fan traffic. From the Logan AC and Heat Services Traffic Center. Good evening. You'll find some slowdowns on I-70 westbound at the 71 East Split. Road construction does have the roadway reduced to one lane. You're going to find some backups coming from Miller Avenue. Plan on some heavy slowdowns in this area. This traffic report is sponsored by EverStream, the business-only fiber network. At EverStream, the business-only fiber network, they believe business deserves better. EverStream's full-service approach to business connectivity delivers the speed and reliability that businesses demand. EverStream, faster fiber, better business. I'm Leanna Ray with Van Traffic. Hey, Common Man here. I know what you're thinking. This guy again. But we have some special bonus stuff for you. Sponsored, of course, by our friends, Care Heating and Cooling. Call 1-800-COOLING when you need a company you can trust. One is angry. The other one is bald. What do you think I mean, bald? Bald. Bald, bald. Here.
Here's Man and Bone. I want to point something out. All right. I, too, would be bald if I, don't, if I didn't take these pills every single day. <laughs> I've been taking the Propecia pills or whatever the generic is called now yeah. for almost 20 years. It's called Amateur Pecia. <laughs> I didn't think about it for a second. Good job. <laughs> and I'm so terrified that if I stop taking these pills, like my hair will just fall out in one day. All of it. Yeah. Well, it's funny because we were watching last night. I had the NBA games on and uh, ESPN. I'm trying to remember who was alongside uh, Richard Jefferson. I wanted, Richard I Jefferson. Yes. Uh, maybe. I don't remember. It's one of the bald guys that does ESPN broadcast, whatever. And so Richard Jefferson is obviously shaved head. This guy also shaved head, you know, probably trying to forestall the inevitable. And Melissa's like, wow, man, everybody's just, you know, out here not embracing their baldness. And I'm like. You're, I I too shave like I don't let it grow long. I don't have like the you know coconut with a Hulu skirt on should. it. Like no, I'm not going to do you that. Need a different look, and you can't shave it all the way. No, you I, can't be totally bald. You look like a clan member. Thanks. You, thanks. you would. I, you would look like a total I clan mean, member if you were totally bald. I would think you look like a clan member if you show up with a hood on. Like that makes you. Yeah, but don't you just stop? What it am now. I supposed to do? I'm bald. Like I just. You have that look to you. A fat white guy who's bald. No, Is there that are it? other white people who can pull it off. I'm just <laughs> saying that that's not something you could pull off. I don't think. No, I have like shaved it all the way down. It's too much maintenance. That's I don't know if people realize that's a lot of shaving. That is you got to do it every day. Yeah, oh yeah, to get the to get the cue ball look. Yeah, like I have the stubble going, and sometimes it gets a little longer. That shave it back down, but the the cue ball polished dome thing that's a whole nother level. Like of Stanley commitment. Tucci. Stanley Tucci is a white guy, but he can pull off the shaved head look without you looking at Stanley Tucci like oh he's going to burn a cross on somebody's lawn but you're you, saying i i think you're people saying get the wrong impression you would accuse me of it even though you know me and know i would never do right. something like that i that's, know i know i've known you the, for years that's bad but i would just yell racist well, at you and run away well, i'm glad i don't shave my head all the way down then is it okay where it is now because well, i just fine want, now okay good i yeah, just want to make sure like every other fat soccer loving yes, guy good. Right I, now. Don't, <laughs> I don't want to give off any vibes that are not accurate so good all right a special thank you for consuming all the stupidity we can safely shove down your gullet. Come back for more podcasts. And again, the podcast is sponsored by our friends, because they pay us. Care, heating, and cooling. Call 1-800-COOLING when you need a company you can trust. Stop listening now. The podcast is over. Turn it off. Go do something. 